Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Um, we are joined, as per usual, by Mr Andy Stafford. Andy, how are we today? I'm not so bad, thank you, Joe. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. We're getting closer and closer to the Challenge Cup final. We are indeed. Um, always good for a nice weekend away in Cardiff. So, yeah, all good. And we're joined by Mr David Grant. Dave, hello, sir. How are we? Good evening, Joe. Um, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. As I say, weekend coming up. Indeed, Cardiff I'm coming up. looking forward to it. It should be an absolute crack of a weekend. Probably the biggest weekend in the Elite League, minus the playoffs, that it's had for years. I can't wait to go down. Plus England v Wales in the Six Nations as well. Just add a Last little bit more spice Cardiff. to it. What, what an occasion that will be, particularly with yourself supporting Wales. And Andy Do you imagine, you imagine if the game was at the Millennium Stadium? Sorry, the Prince Pelt Stadium. Do you imagine that? Oh, it's always going to be the Millennium <laughs> Stadium, isn't it? It's always going to be the Millennium. The Millennium, yeah. So true. We do have some bad news. Um, Greth has officially flaked out on us this episode. He is apparently, in inverted commas, just like Dr. Evil, too tired. Um, so, yeah, everybody feel free to give Greth some hate on Twitter. No, we, we don't We don't encourage hate on social media. Um, however, if I, you want I, to... I think the games at the Crystal Maze are a bit too much for him. Don't I, I I don't understand how much of a nerve that touched with me that he's done the Crystal Maze experience. I so wanted to do that. Would you suggest that you were triggered by that? I no, not quite. You were, weren't you? I might have been, yeah. I may have like ranted to a colleague about it for like five minutes of work. <laughs> <laughs> Will you start the fans, please? <laughs> This is the point where we have the intro music to this episode just be dead, 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 dead. <laughs> Oh dear. And so we've got a special guest today as well. It's uh, Richard O'Brien from the Crystal Mate. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we're not going to have Greth today. We do have an interview it's, today. Uh, it's Richard Awadi now, isn't it? Oh, it is. No, don't talk to me about that because that's hit a nerve as well. It's, it will always be Richard O'Brien. Always Richard O'Brien. You don't mess with tradition. Exactly that, exactly that. And also just I don't like Richard Ayoade, so it's, it's kind of a lose-lose. Um, but yeah, no Gref. Uh, we do have an interview to bring you guys again this week. If you couldn't guess, this week it is Chris Ellis. Uh, we'll bring in that in- interview to you later on. Um, but a lot of hockey again. Title race certainly heating up. And I think we've had a bit of a shift again um, this weekend. There are no real trends going on at the moment other than, from a Sheffield fan, disappointingly, Cardiff winning their games. Um, So Cardiff and Sheffield both took four points from the weekend. Um, Belfast only took one point from the weekend, which was one more than Nottingham, um, who, as we said about Sheffield a couple of weeks ago, Dave, how many points did Nottingham get? Nil point. Nil point. Um, four points for five <laughs> as well this weekend. So obviously heating up at the bottom end of the table as well. Um, gents, what what were your highlights? Uh, my highlight was given the game had m- plenty of goals, you had two absolute outstanding saves from Carr and Duba. Um, you know, Duba's was at the point of the game where if they just scored, they, they could have had the momentum changed completely in Nottingham's favour. Uh, it didn't. Uh, Carl was his save of just pure bombardment from the Steelers, and he just kept he just kept shutting the door on him. And this one particular save, I think, was like at the end of the three save back to back to back, was just absolutely outstanding, um, and just a great great play from the goalies. Um, so yeah, for for a game full of goals, for me it was a couple of saves which were just absolute outstanding, and two goals on top of the game. Ignore the fact he conceded six, Carl, but just on top of the game with the type of saves they made. Again, uh, down the goalie, the goalie route because you got to give goalies some love as well. 
you know Especially it. in players of the week. Uh, I've gone with Stephen Murphy. Uh, probably not one of the most obvious choices, but simply because of the shot from Bomber from the point and then tip in front. And he, he was just down. He, he made a great save. Uh, really big desperation save. And uh, it was you know, a, a good point in the game. And uh, just a really good save for me. To be fair, I think Murphy has to get some credit in that game. I mean, Owen let him four goals early doors, changing Murphy in, and then all of a sudden that he just seemed to give them that second win. So I think you say it may not be the obvious one, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it's a, it, was, it was a pretty um, pretty vital save. Um, yeah, mine, not going down the goalie route. Sorry, Dave. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Um, oh, well, I expect you to be sorry anyway. But I think we were all at the game... And I think we can all agree that this definitely had to be a highlight of the week. Um, Jonathan Phillips absolutely trolling Bobby Farnham into taking a two-minute delay of game. Um, I don't know what he said to him. I'd love to know what he said to him. Um, I'd love to know what was going on in Bobby Farnham's head because never in a million years was Jonathan Phillips going to drop with Bobby Farnham. Um, but he dropped the gloves to Jonathan Phillips, just skated away just nicely. I think it set a tone in the game. I think yeah. it sets up an argument for another day about um, the instigator penalty. We've, we've discussed before our, our hatred for that penalty, and I, and I think Bobby Farnham dropping the gloves with somebody who clearly didn't want to fight and only getting a two-minute penalty kind of makes a bit more of a mockery of that penalty, um, particularly when you can then get it for sticking up for a player who gets a bad hit. I think that's a little bit daft. Um, but either way... Very, very good move by Jonathan Phillips. Very, very good start to the game as well. It was early doors. We got a goal off the power play. Um, as I say, I just question what was going on in Farnham's head because I don't think there was a person in the building that would have believed that Phillips was actually going to drop the gloves with him. Yeah. Uh, Can we have an honourable mention uh, to Ben Connolly's goal uh, on Sunday? Uh, nice collection on the line, being offside onside. Uh, went top shelf. Um, I know one of our listeners was uh, hugely happy with the goal. So I think it's worth worth an honourable mention to uh, to the goal from Connolly. Sure, you know, I think that may be three weeks in a row that we've made Ben swear at his radio. Um, <laughs> so, he um, should be used to it by now, in fairness. Yeah. While while we're on the mode of of honourable mentions on a, on a serious note, I think whilst we're mentioning the bad from Bobby Farnham in, in dropping the gloves on that. Those those shot blocks were pretty were oh, pretty yes. brutal against Guildford. I think that I think to be fair, Farnham has done quite a lot of good for that Giants team this year and showing that I think was it three or four solid blocks that he took against Guildford and just straight back up and then hit again straight back up. It was it was something else to be fair. Um anybody got anything else that they want to mention from over the last week? Or are we good to move on to the next category on the agenda? Yeah, we're good. So, so the Department of Player Safety have been back in action after a few weeks. Some would say um, too too late on. They should have been involved a few weeks ago. We'll leave that. We've discussed that over a couple of weeks. But um, Cardiff have now received a penalty just to throw a spanner into the works for those conspiracy theorists who said that Dops were on the side of Cardiff. Um, Steve Dixon received a two-match ban for checking from behind against Ian Waters uh, in the game against the Guildford Flames. What did we make of this one? If I'm honest, I think he's a little bit lucky to only to get two games. Um, it weren't careless. Um, that For me, the hit is along lines of reckless line. Um, and also, the consideration is the distance 
with Watkins and the boards. You know, check Violet the throw him into it. It could have caused him a, a worse injury than it did if he did cause injury. I can't remember if it did. Um, and it was just a stupid play. You know, he, he could have easily just got him and, and pinned him into the corner or pinned him to the boards. You know, frustrated it all. It then put Cardiff on the back burner in a five plus game. So I, I, if I'm honest, I think he's lucky it was two games. Um, but you know, I think with a few decisions over the last few weeks, I think we've all been a bit uh, baffled. But hey ho, um, no, I, I don't think I think Guildford got their one goal on that five-minute power play. I'll have to double check just to make sure on that one. But yeah, for me overall, for me, I think he will look to just get two. Yeah, I I agree with you completely as well. Uh, straight through the numbers, almost seemed like it was a a, a sort of targeted sort of move. I mean, only only all he had to do was just put a stick in, or or, or just like you said, pin him. Oi, oi. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, uh, just a very stupid move, one that he didn't have to make, but he decided to straight into numbers of waters and looked very, very nasty. He was uh, not even not even 50 centimetres away from the boards and then he just, you know, just just get hit like that is awful and uh, looked really bad straight, straight away. He was in Look at him, he's in a lot of pain, so yeah, very lucky to get two games. I'd probably say three for me, but yeah, very, very stupid. Stephen? Yeah, certainly a stupid one. Um, Dave can confirm it was one goal on that power play. Kaliaka had scored yeah, 20 just, minutes. Just checked, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I see it a bit differently on this one. I don't mind it being given at two games. I could see it being given at more. I will say that to start off with. I don't mind it being given at two games on the premise that he didn't... It, the, the check was more of a cross-check through the numbers than a full hit through the numbers. He didn't follow the hit in all the way through into the boards. He kind of he hit Waters and then let the momentum take him into the boards forward. So to my to my mind there's a little bit less danger there than had he followed the hit all the way into the boards because obviously if he's gone forwards head first and then the momentum carries on from Dixon he's obviously putting himself in a very very dangerous position there um whereas this was just more of a cross check flip side numbers facing straight towards him hand straight through the numbers I mean it's a big no uh, and from a guy like Dixon as well he's been such a crucial player for the Devils just stupid on a number of levels because to be fair this guy's been quite a smart player over the last couple of seasons um so to take something like that in the run into the title in a game against Guildford like that it just just for the five minute penalty kill alone let alone the then the following two match suspension just just a really stupid move but I, I don't mind two matches too much I do, but I, I do think it was a completely stupid move um I think that is it for Dops. While well, we're on Dops and checking from behind, I, you, you guys may not have seen this. It's just sparked to my memory. Um, have you seen the hit from Jamie Benn on Oliver Ekman Larson last night in the NHL? No. That was a horrendous hit. Honestly, if you think the one from Dixon's bad, go, on, go and watch that. It is, I expect four or five games for that hit at least. It's a really, really bad hit. I, I um, wanted to ignore hits. Uh, big hits in the NHL after Tuesday night, so I'll... I'll uh... Oh, it, it was terrible from Trooper on Dal Cole, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. I mean, somebody clearly didn't teach him at juniors that he needs to keep his head up skating through the neutral zone. He, um, he, te- he takes a great lesson from that. 
Um, Takes a but you don't fun. look down, you know, especially in the neutral zone. Uh, but yeah. I don't know where I... I'll, I'll throw this in as a mini thing for you guys, and this is this is definitely going to be a raw knee-jerk um, response because we haven't we haven't discussed this previously. Where do we stand on that kind of hit? Player skating through the neutral zone, head down, hit comes in, shoulder straight to the head, but mainly caused by the head being down. Obviously, the rule itself is that the onus is on the player making the hit, but in that kind of hit, I don't think there was any intention for the for the direction to be towards the head. I think that was solely because his head was so was down. I think there's two factors, and I'm going to I'm answering this very honestly and taking the fact that the, this conversation is based on um, the Islanders Rags game. Um, How did that go, by yeah. the way? Sorry. How did that go, by the way? Oh, uh, you have to you have to give the paupers a Broadway or something, don't you? Um, <laughs> So, yeah, the onus is on the person making the hit to ensure it's a safe hit. Yes, there is no such thing as a safe or clean hit to the head, head area. Yes, players don't have then the license just to skate with your head down because you also have to look after yourself. Um, on that particular one, for me, I felt that Truber had the chances to, yeah, it would have been pulling out the hit, but he could have seen that through the fault of Dalcol that he's, he's, he was in a vulnerable position because he's looking for the puck. He, you know, he put himself in that position, don't get me wrong, but he's still in that position. He could have avoided the hit. There was an example, I think it was... Do you know what I want to say? It was Jamie Ben, where he... he had, there was an example, they showed it on, on... I think I saw it on Twitter, where he actually avoided making the hit by jumping out of the way onto the boards over the players, around the players, but actually avoided making the head contact. Um, so... It's the way the game is now. That happens 25 years ago. We have this podcast. I know a podcast would have happened at the time. We all go, what a hit. What a cracking hit. If that hit shoulder to shoulder, we all say now, what a hit. That's cracking. I have to say my but first a... interpretation was what a hit. But then when I saw it from the it's... angle where you saw I, where the I shoulder did, And then you look at it again down. and then it goes, mm, no, it's because the game is the way the game is now. And yeah, people can go, oh, that's damaging the game, you know, old time hockey and all that. Do you know what? I get that. As an old-time hockey fan, we learned and watched the game in the, the late 90s. But the game's moved on. The game's changed completely. Um, and any contact of the head, which we've seen in the Elite League, uh, the SHL, the DEL, the KHL, and the NHL. The NFL. Contact, uh, no, they just go court. Um, <laughs> soon as you, as soon as you make any head contact, that's when you start rattling up numbers of games suspension. Um, there's a photo afterwards where the... The part of the NHL said it weren't a hit to the head, where Dal Coles has been clearly blooded and it's a cut on the head. And it's not from hitting the ice because he hit, landed backwards. Remember, mm-hmm. says right. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's a one, in my own opinion, and yes, slightly tainted being an Islander fan, one of many screw ups from the referees that night. So, when anybody says it's just the elite league referees are good crap, do you know what? Watch some of the NHLers. Some of them are good, some of them are just as bad. It makes us, our core referee group, we maybe need to be a little bit grateful what we have because we could have a lot worse and in my honest opinion we had saw that Tuesday night but for me players need to all two things so to say it's the onus on the player making the hit but also the player you don't have a license just to skate down head look at the ice because hey how are you going to make a play from that but also you're going to get hit and you put yourself in that vulnerable position it's a bit of, it's, it makes the fine line of, of the perfect hit or good hit very fine Whereas it would already be made fine due to the way the game's moved. When the players nowadays says, a big hit ends up getting called a charge or a roughing or something daft like yeah. that. 
exactly yeah so i yeah and then the the penalty afterwards my my favorite penalty of all the instigator Andy, you, what do you, you guys think? have been bitten badly with two poor 10-minute misconduct penalties against the Rags this year. Because you had the one earlier, wasn't it against the Rags earlier on in the year where they were they called the second fight on a on a stoppage or something like yeah. that? Yeah, literally because the linesman wanted to mess around to keep this podcast, polite to keep this podcast PC. Um, and he's gone to drop the puck, he hasn't, and then they've dropped the gloves, and then he's thrown them both out because it was a fight not on the whistle, and you kind of go. You know, come on, guys. It's not about you. It's about the players. Let them crack on. So, True. Yeah. And then we, we had another bad one on the goal washed off, but, you know, I'm not going to talk about how the rubbish the referees were on Tuesday night. We'll let Andy uh, jump in because I could go on a rant. Um, by, um, oh, we know. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got the rant way to do it. I was going to say, hold on, we, we're both going to get this rant at some point. It's probably going to be once we click stop recording and then you just just let go. <laughs> Jeff got it on text message. He responded. So it was a good game then. Brilliant. Yeah, Dave's absolutely right. I mean, it's both ways. I mean, as a player, you shouldn't be skating with your head down. I know I've been guilty of that uh, when I first started playing a lot, and I got a lot of uh, a lot of bad hits. But you know, it's it's just, it's just something something you learn and you just got to adapt to. But it still happens. Because you're just concentrating on the on on the puck so hard that you know sometimes you, it's it's you're just not quick enough to realise when it's the one in front of you before you're uh, now before you look up and bang you're out cold already. So I think it is responsible for the player themselves who have control of the puck uh, or are you know have their head down on the ice, but it's also responsibility of the person who's going to make a hit because you know if. If, even if you still make contact to the head, that's effectively possibly ending someone's career or causing them to be out for weeks, like Ryan Ellis was uh, of Nashville. I think he was out for about seven, eight weeks with a concussion. So, mm. yeah, it, I think if you're going to make that, that play, you've, you've got to assess the situation before, you know, just to that second to realise where is he said and where do I want to put my body into? Because... It's just says exactly what you gotta, you know, you know, just 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 think about. If you see him escaping the head down, just uh, crouch down a little bit so that you've got uh, more contact towards his his body uh, or shoulder than just you no know, using your your height to put the foot to, to put the um, elbow in or, or shoulder into the head. So you know you you got to adapt to his position and and. Uh, yeah, that's just what I think about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's a bit of both, isn't it? And that's 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 the key thing. I, it comes back to this the same kind of thing that we said that I touched on a, a few episodes ago about players turning into the boards as the hit comes in to show the numbers. It's it's the same kind of thing. You've got to put the onus on both players. Um, I mean, the flip side argument to the player having to try and get out of the way of making the hit. The difficulty then is, I guess, if it gives the player that's skating up the rink the the advantage to then put a puck on net or, or get a breakaway or you know get a decent shot on goal, it's even more of a tactic to then skate with your head down to get that opportunity. But then again, you're putting yourself at risk to do that. So, I mean, I I, I agree what you're saying in terms of it gives them a bit lighter. So you can go to the more of the poke check um, instead mm. of the, the big hit. I suppose it's just. 
in that scenario, we're all used to the big hit, go through the player, you know, thank you very much, the crowd on their feet, happy days. But sadly, in that respect, in, and if you believe in that way, the game's moved on completely. You know, it's 180 from what it used to be. Yeah. Um, but never mind. Never mind. We live and learn. Um, the next thing, unless anybody's got anything else to add on DOPS, no. the next the next thing that I've got on the agenda then is uh, webcasts. Now, it's a topic that we skirted around all season. Um, surprise, surprise, the, tr- the controversy originated in Sheffield when their webcast was announced at being £15 at the start of the year, which was, of course, the most horrendous um, and horrific thing that could possibly happen, um, despite the fact that it was only like a £3 increase on what it was last year. Um but yeah, £15 for the webcast. Now, that was one of the big talking points at the beginning of the season. That was the whole, everybody on the We Hate the Steelers bandwagon. Um, and the principle behind that was very much Tony Smith saying he wanted to favour fans who can go to the arena. Which, to my mind, I don't I don't see any issue with. As an owner, he's going to get more revenue out of the fans that turn up to the arena, particularly from home fans, from away fans as well. You know, that, that's, it's just the nature of the beast. But then also, you then start to look into other teams. This is the reason that I've thrown this onto the agenda more. So, is you look at other teams then. So, currently, there are three teams in the Elite League that don't do a webcast. So, obviously, you've got the Guildford Flames, you've got um, Nottingham Panthers, and you've got the Glasgow Clan. I have no doubt in my mind at all that if you're a member of any kind of Elite League team supporters page, you've probably get the same thing that we get on the Steelers page, which is six million people a weekend asking if Guildford, Nottingham, Glasgow would do a webcast. Um, I, it's just something that I wanted to bring up to you guys because, to my mind, it's it's a significant failing of the Elite League at the moment. We're in a position where modern technology is so advanced now that it takes minimal equipment in comparison to what it used to take to be able to run a webcast and realistically particularly in in like nottingham arena and particularly in guildford uh, in, in glasgow as well you've got ample opportunity to be able to do so and particularly in nottingham and, and glasgow it seems to be neil black's just intent to avoid having a webcast uh, but then nottingham pick and choose when they're going to be doing a webcast as well which then again just seems to make a bit of a mockery out of it. So I just wanted to see what you guys thought as to as to whether we should be now making a league requirement for all teams to run a webcast. I don't think it's a league failing that Nottingham and Glasgow don't have a webcast. So I'll park Guildford to a side. It's clearly a policy from the owner uh, who you know funds the clubs. Um, you know, fair play. That's what he wants to do. I believe it's a case of that they. When they say pick and choose, I think it's more a case of what if they can get the likes of uh, Vision Mix who do the Sheffield webcasts if they're available. Yeah. Um, now they do it if it's sold out. If they can get them available, they'll bring them in. Um, Guildford's is more tricky. They've got to be more of a central position. But at this present moment in time, they're seeing ticket holders in that area. So they'd have to wait until the new season says, right, this area now is no longer available, etc., etc. Do I think the league should look at having something where all teams are on a webcast 100%. If I'm honest with you, if the league were to say £40 a month and you get 
all games minus um, games of a 20 mile radius, so you can geoblock it, um, and you get them all at access and download. You can download the games within the geoblock afterwards, but to watch them live, to do that, I would say 100% that's what we should be looking into. You have the technology, make sure the quality of the streams are, are correct. You then have a central revenue pot that's shared between the league. So all the teams, and they work together to, to sell and make sure they sell this. You, you spend £40 a month and you get all the games. You imagine, you imagine the figures. Let's, let's, say, let's say it brings in, I don't know, um, you know, seven seven hundred thousand pound a month. Let's just say, you know, that's seventy grand um, per team over seven months within a season. That's just shy of three hundred thousand, roughly. Maybe I've got my maths wrong. Maybe actually, short of five five hundred thousand. My apologies. You think in that respect, because the owners are looking at the pound, shilling, pence. Absolutely correct. And you mentioned the point of of Tony Smith wanting fans in the arena preferred. When we used to do when I was involved in Steel Not Live, which was a live audio broadcast, that was cancelled, or he asked us to not do it, for that very same reason. Because he wanted people to come into the game. And, you know, the line of it's better live when you're in the, when you're in the arena. So but if you had that option to say, right, you pay £40 a month, I think, from a revenue perspective, so long as the, 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 the technology was correct and accurate, not accurate, but... Um, not with filmed these, on a potato. Yeah, so Manchester would be game. Um, we've got to get some grief in because grass not here. Um, you've got to, you know, if it's of a quality which you can say, right, and Sheffield is the quality bear at the moment. There's not a there's not a webcast I can go that can hold a candle to the quality of the video. Now, forget if it buffers and all that because all webcasts will buffer. So you'd have to That's have... That's not always even the fault of the webcast. That could be the fault of your router as much as... Could be the router, but it also could be the connection um, at the arena. I know, again, from my experience of doing still live, sometimes a connection from the arena was terrible to the point where we had to get a wired connection to ensure quality output. So it could be that fault there. So I think if clubs had a that connection guarantee of, of a decent quality output... They have the the don't even need to say they have all the cameras and all the replays, but of a decent standard. You could sell it, you could have it and fund it, and and clubs would make a revenue, which would actually, you you think of it now because you know I bet hardly anybody buys the five one. Okay, you may say Sheffield Mega will work and we could be losing revenue here, but across the board, if you say it was a league policy, I think that would be the way forward. And I think clubs would then get more money to invest into their clubs and their rosters, which you then have a better product. But it would take a heck of a lot of work from all 10 teams. And they couldn't scrimp and save on, on, the, on the output because then people go, I'm not paying it. And then it becomes a policy that's a waste policy. But I definitely think we are now getting to a stage where, as a league we should be looking to have that as an offer, as an option for every team. And yes, I mentioned it, you know, it's, it's the Oldback's policy, but I think now's the time we go, okay, bite the bullet, you do it all. Maybe it's how the league put some pressure. I don't know. Hmm. I'm on the exact same wavelength as Dave. Uh, having 
a subscription service where for me I, I think it's better playing year, yearly like a, a season subscription so obviously September to April uh, put, put it as a certain amount and whatever uh, that is half goes to the league uh, so that they can provide better better software better cameras better everything because let's face it Manchester needs that more than anyone uh, but, <laughs> but yeah so so all 10 well apart from Sheffield's teams who, who need the better software the better cameras uh, part of the money goes to them to then source that software uh, I, I mean it's there and then uh, have the rest split between uh, the rest of the 10 clubs that was, that was sort of my my idea and, and have it I don't know, maybe 75 a year, 100 a year, something like that. But you also get like a site where it, it, you can have every game's on there. So you, if, obviously, if you're forming away team, you can't you can't get up to Belfast or Cardiff and you want to see your team team play, then you can watch. Then you can just click a link on there and it's there. Uh, Bit something like NHL Game Center, I, I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, you guys, I mean, to be fair, when I put this on the agenda, that was very much kind of where my head was. That was an idea of getting some kind of EIHL Game Centre thing going. Um, I mean, you look at the you look at what NHL Game Centre do, and I think, to be fair, you could probably find a happy medium between like Andy saying that we need an annual price and Dave saying a, a monthly, because NHL Game Centre offer both. Yeah. I think looking at it, I mean, it's maybe a bit of a very price, but looking at it, it's $129.00 for an annual fee or it's $25 a month um, or something along those lines. I may have I may have got those figures wrong as I say. It's not clear on NHL at the moment because obviously the figures are a little bit different now that we're um, towards the back end of the season. But, I mean, if you if you said, working out the figures now, if you said, let's say, minimise it, 1,000 fans per fan base. So all of a sudden you've got 10,000 fans that are, that are putting into this monthly that's obviously, in some cases, maybe a bit generous. In other cases, maybe a bit conservative. I suspect if you went to the Steelers fan base, you'd be getting more give or take. But if you just just to pluck out random figures out of thin air, if you said a thousand fans per fan base, ten thousand fans um, at twenty five pound a month, all of a sudden you're looking at a quarter of a mil per month income. Now that's prob- probably on in the grand scheme of things generous because if you're going to get a family of five people, then only one person's then going to be buying paying for it they're not each going to be paying for it but you look at that kind of income that could come into the league and then you split that across the teams whether that's to be put in as you say for for better equipment whether that's to make up for a lack of revenue from doing their own webcast that type of thing but it then unifies the league in on that front so that fans can then watch anything and can you imagine then having been sat let's say I mean this season's slightly different from a Sheffield perspective the two front runners for the league are Sheffield and Cardiff and the last game of the season is obviously against Cardiff however you flip back to things like when Sheffield were playing in Fife when they last won the league if you're a Cardiff fan and your game's going you're sat at the game and you could on your phone have the Steelers game in Fife as well and you 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 know that kind of thing in addition to being able to watch your team's webcasts and that type of thing it just the whole thing to me just seems like such an appealing idea and you could then use that app to start putting different things out so you could put your top plays and your top saves on that on that platform you could start using that to break things down 
it, it just seems like a, a good idea for moving forwards. But obviously, there's a lot of work that needs to go into that to make that actually, you know, a plausible idea. Um, what what do we think to the kind of the prices of the webcasts nowadays? I think I mean looking at the looking at the price of the Manchester webcast, I think that's the one that surprises me somewhat because it actually is horrendous pitch quality. I think your price has to match the quality. Whereas I think Sheffield, I'm often honest, I think Sheffield is £15 is too much. If I'm honest, um, you know, probably 12, 12, 13, probably around the the ballpark figure. Um, But with that, you get the quality. You get everything and the the whole production that Sheffield's webcast does. Manchester's for the same price for just a game and the interview. Now, okay. This is not a criticism of the people who put the production of Manchester's webcast. However, if you're going to offer a webcast of the same price as what of a competitor per se that actually puts a production and a show on, and I've watched them when I've not been able to, when it was like our Sheffield games, and the production that Steelers put on is top-notch. The Panthers one was top-notch. Um, Dundee's is pretty decent. Belfast yeah. is, is decent. You know, you put on a production, you've got an audience for two and a half, three hours, put on something. Manchester doesn't. And I, that's when the question of the price becomes relevant because you can't then justify. You know, they're, they're fans of the first, probably the first ones whinging that we put ours, as in Sheffield's webcast, up to £15 a game. And then they did it against Sheffield on a midweek game when they got nobody, even the dogs didn't go to the game. Um, so it's kind of like, okay. So for fifteen pound, what are you gain? Yeah. And okay, their their venue is different in terms of angles of cameras and whatnot. So you have to ensure that what you are selling is of a value to what you're providing. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. Uh, another one that maybe isn't worth the price is probably five. I'm not, I'm not sure how much they charge. Is is it twelve? I'm pounds? just trying to look now. I, I can't. I think, their website. I think there's just ten. Ten. I think it's ten. Do we know who does this? Uh, what the company? Yeah, solely because uh, I'm trying to find out. Twenty-four seven. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. They used to do the Elite League on yeah. Premier Sport. Yeah, they did. Um, if it is ten pounds, I, I suppose it's not too bad. But uh, you don't want to get any replays or any of the pitch quality isn't fantastic, and the commentary. Uh, the audio there is very muffly and uh, it's, it's not very pleasant when when they're almost shouting down it and it's just like a, ma- a massive uh, muffle there. It's it's, it's not the best quality. Uh, but yeah, there's a couple like that. Um, Nottingham, I know when they did theirs against Sheffield, again, the pitch quality wasn't great on that. Um, but still, no, it's probably just a one-off, I think. Uh, it's just, just a bad sort of... Uh, sort of pitch quality on that but yeah you've got to pay or, or the price should be what you get it's £10 in five sorry to interrupt yeah. no, that's right. I, I suppose it's not too bad but yeah still you, you, you don't get the luxury of, of replays or, or the audio quality but I suppose £10 isn't too bad I can't I honestly can't remember Fife I can't remember the last time I actually but paid for it. I'm trying to work mine out. Was a, mine was a Scott, during the Scotch weekend where I think one. Yeah, ten, ten three. Two, yeah. Ten, three. Yeah. 
and it's an alright webcast but again they, they, they rely on the one camera and that's yeah. where if you're going to go down the conversation of a shared product where you like streaming to all and sundry from a central subscription you can't just go on one camera yeah, no, exactly that. I can't. I'm trying to. I'm, yeah, I've been trying to have a look through to see how much all the different webcasts are, but I can't. Can't find certain ones in terms of cost. Um, I, I think Ice Time TV do a decent webcast. To be fair, I think yes, Cardiff. Sorry, yes, Cardiff, Cardiff is, is definitely good. up there. We've not really mentioned that, but I think the last time that we we got that was the the Steelers win. Um, down in Cardiff, and to be fair, I I thought in addition, commentary was very neutral as well at times obviously you get your odd little thing you're, you're always going to get that as we've we've had this discussion before about people complaining about the bias from from commentators and we, we've all said that we dislike it you know, from a perspective of they're entitled to be biased it's a fan that's sitting there and doing it for their club but at the same time it is quite nice to pay for a webcast and not have that bias at times it is quite nice to get a neutral commentary and to be fair I was quite pleasantly surprised with the last Cardiff webcast that we got just just I from think, that premise. I think it's Oliver Hampson and Gareth Hewitt, who are the commentators. Um, I know Gareth's a regular. And I think Ollie's stepped up this year. Um, I'm not giving Gareth any praise, just because he didn't deserve any. Um, but apart from he's a good lad. Um, he, he, I know his brother, his, his brother one who, who commented on one of our social media streams this um today about the uh, one of the topics we're going to go on later on but uh, he's uh, they, they are good broadcasting fairness and they are good commentators um, best value for think, money <sighs> £10 yeah I'd go with that what do you think Andy do you agree best value for money for a Cardiff webcast I think that's best value uh, for the whole league yeah, that webcast. Yeah, I, I think Sheffield would be if it was twelve thirteen. Yeah, I think fifteen is is too much. It's not my call. I don't I don't know the sums and everything. But if they were twelve thirteen, I'd be saying Sheffield hands down. But Sheffield is still one of the best webcasts um, out there. Yeah, with Cardiff, yeah. Um, with Belfast. You know, as much as people uh, aren't a fan of Simon Kitchen's passionate commentary. Um, I am a fan of it. I'm not gonna lie. I, I like that type of uh, um, atmosphere you bring as a commentator. Probably because I was a very similar when I did Steel at Live. Uh, but you know, very much the same. And then broad brackets. But Cardiff is is a good production. They do also do they do a bit more um, within their three hours. So it's not just the game. And that's it. The game. That's it. They do highlights. They do show a bit more. You know, the punter gets more for the money. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Belfast is ten pound as well. I think again Belfast is another good one. But yeah, it's 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 been an interesting one to see how it's kind of fluctuated across the league. Um, the last question I'll throw out there then in terms of webcast. The, the reason that one of the reasons that Tony Smith gave for the increase to fifteen pounds in Sheffield was that he wanted to make it more favourable for people to go to the game rather than watching the webcast. Where do we stand on that? Because as, as I say, I understand that entirely from a commercial perspective. Obviously, one of the things that people have raised arguments with is people that are working or away from home don't have the funds to be able to go to it every game directly. 
you know, maybe have are ill and aren't able to watch the game. And then obviously you've got the flip side that the away fans as well. What what do we think? If you are a hockey owner, you have to focus on the area that's going to bring you the most revenue, and that is a person sat in the arena. Because as soon as they're through that door, you can then access them to the 50-50s, the shirt off the backs, the merchandise, the programmes. If you buy a webcast, you can't do that. So I, as much as I, as I mentioned, I don't agree with the price rise, from the angle of the owner wanting to have as many people exposed to the income revenue streams, it makes sense. It's, it's a business decision. And what you have is you have people doing that. And from as an example alone, Sheffield has been able to make the changes that they have to the roster with the injuries they've had and probably on the back of high revenue that they pick up from 50-50, shirt off the back, the merchandise. But you don't get that, even in an online world, you don't get that if you're watching webcast. So I, you know, from that business angle, it makes perfect sense. Again, Dave, spot on. Um, I, I understand logic completely. Totally get that. Um, then again, you do. You can't really win over everybody, like like you say. You know, they, they can't make it to every game, or uh, they might live abroad and still follow their team and still want to watch them on the webcast. So it's it is hard to say because I mean. If you asked a fan, well, what would you think if we made an increase on price? But that would mean that it would go towards trying to get better players next season. I don't think there'd be many, many arguments against that. So, you know, it's. No, it... no, we are a Yorkshire club. Oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you can't please everybody, um, and I understand Smith's logic in doing that. Um, as one of myself, I'd probably do the same. But again, I'd probably still make it a pound or two cheaper, just just ever so slightly. Uh, apart from that, I completely understand. Yeah, I'm in agreement with both of you. To be fair, I, th- I think for a start, the argument from away fans of, "Oh, what about those of us that can't make the games?" You don't make your decisions. You're a hockey owner. You don't make your decisions on the benefits to the away fans. I'm sorry. But if you're going to make decisions and the decision isn't solely based on the revenue and income to the club, the next thing you look at is your own fans. You don't make a decision based on the welfare of your club and then consider the impact on away fans. As far as it's concerned, it's a service to away fans that can't go and they pay what they want to pay if they want to watch the game. That's 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 to my mind. I know that's harsh, but if you're if you're the owner of a club, you don't make the decisions based on fans of another club. But that's, that. but that's why Neil Black doesn't have webcasts. Mm. Because he wants to guarantee the revenue from the ring. Yeah, well, you know, you'd want it a, a cross-league approach, but you know, you look after your high percentage of people, and that's your home fans. My argument to that, I mean, the only, my only issue with that is, I mean, up until recent times, up until Sheffield really stepped up the game attendance-wise, Nottingham were the league leaders in, in attendance for a long time. They were, I think, were the, the only elite league club that managed to break into 
the top 30 attendances in Europe or whatever that whatever that list was. They did it a few times before we got up there. You know, they were often the league leaders in attendances. So, yes, I mean, I guess that goes two ways. A, you could argue that that could have come from not having a webcast. B, you could argue that their attendance are already pretty high throwing a webcast to get a bit more revenue. I guess it's, it's a bit of a... You could take either stance on it, but... Yeah, no, I just, just thought it'd be interesting to see what you guys thought. Um, I completely get it. And uh, the, one of the things that I like about Tony in terms of the way that he takes the club is he's very, very sure-minded in what he wants to do. There's no... You know, he knows exactly what direction he want to take certain things in, and it's that's the direction it goes. There's no, oh, uh, I need to think about this. I don't know what to do. You know, there's, there's no uncertainty. We've we've got a we've got a definite strategy moving forwards from the management side of our club in a perspective of it's just this is the decision. That's it. There's no faltering. Done. Move forward. Same as the Drumgate thing. It's 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 that decision's made. Done. Draw a line under it. Move on. But don't forget, we only sell out because of five pound tickets. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know those five pound tickets that obviously bring in nine thousand people to uh, to random Sunday night games against mid-table teams. You know. Yeah. So just just to throw a stat in, I've just checked um, last year's European hockey attendances. Um, an interesting one. Sheffield for the first time, like you mentioned, topped in the UK and broke um, in the top forty. So uh, last year they were the thirty-fifth highest on average European attendance. Uh, the Panthers were 42nd. They dropped down from 40. Um, still good, you know. They averaged 5799. Um, but like I say, you know, a team that has the webcast still has that attendance. I mean, okay, now you've not got the games at I Sheffield knocking the average, but it's an argument that you can go. Well, you, you can have best of both worlds. Have you got the list there in front of you, Dave? I have, mate. Yes. Just out of interest, does that include any KHL clubs? Because obviously KHL is a bit of a foreign so I'll just throw rattle through top 10 you've got SC Burn because they sell out their 17,000 you've got SK St. Petersburg 13,000 Eisbahn Berlin uh, Kolnerhein Germany Aldermannerhein uh, Frölunda uh, Zurich Dynamo Minsk uh, Sparta Prague Jokerit uh, then you go um, Dusseldorf CSK Moscow Spartak Moscow uh, Yaroslavl uh, Brno Djurgården uh, Parabits uh, Fadistad uh, Kazan um, and that's just in the top 20. Then you've got um, Tractor, Chelyabinsk, uh, Magnitogos, um, Diana Riga, top 25. Um, you had then the cater team, Slovan Bratislava, and you got Salavat, all you know, in the top 32. Um, you have one just below Sheffield, um, Kabarovsk, just over 6,000. You've got Novosibirsk, um, Siberia, uh, just under 6,000. Diana Moscow uh, in the top 40. Then, do you have any more? You've got Sochi, um, easy to pronounce. And then you've got another one, which I'm uh, um, Avtomobilist. And then the team that travelled last year to in the preparation for the World Champs, Torpedo. Um, so they're in the top, in the top 55. Um, 55th being Tapara. Just thought I'd say it there because I don't like that team. So yeah, there's a few KHL where's teams. Where's Klagenfurt? Where's Klagenfurt? Where's Klagenfurt? Where? Where's Klagenfurt? Uh, let's find Klagenfurt. Belfast was 79th. Um, um, Vladivostok, another KHL team. Um, Klagenfurt. Where are you, Klagenfurt? Uh, they're not in the top hundred. 
about Karapat? Karapat. Uh, I have seen them somewhere. Where's Karapat? Uh, Really taking a decline at this stage of the past. It has, yeah. It's just like a really crap version of Where's Wally. Carapat <laughs> <laughs> Alu uh, is 53rd. Oh. 53rd. Yeah, but above Brunas, uh, above Tapara, uh, above Mountfield, um, and Red Bull Munich. Fair play. Can I just say, I love the fact that you started off by saying you were going to list as the top 10. And then went I just to carried on. Like, well, I found 50. all the KHL teams. I just went yeah. to all the KHL teams. Who's a thousand from there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you next on uh, episode 61 of the My Fantasy Zamboni Covercast, Dave lists all thousand. <laughs> um, yeah, no, fair enough. Anybody got anything else to add on, on webcasts and attendances and all that malarkey, or are we happy to move on from there? No, we're good. We're good. Sound. So, the next thing we've got, we'll throw it over to the interview. Um, this is the moment where we get to play, press stop recording and fill up his drinks and uh, have a toilet break. So, this is the moment that we all long await at this time of night. Um, Dave, good interview with Chris Ellis. Yeah, um, for me, as much as the four interviews we had were good, for me, the best one. Um, only because Chris won't shut up. But he gave us some stories, gave us great content um, and a good insight into as media manager of ISOC UK. Um, but from his time as the, the voice of the Panthers for BBC Radio Nottingham. Um, so, you know, he, he did mention the cup final win in Sheffield in 2003, which we'll, we'll just skirt over. Um, what if I has a skip forward 15 seconds? It does, yeah. That's so, you know, I think it's about the five minute mark. Just press forward and just get over. It's fine. Um, but, you know, Chris has been around the game a long time um, on the media side of things. Uh, he's worked his way to the top, and it's for me um, great knowledge, great entertaining interview. And you know he has he's as excited for the GB program as he has ever been, um, and he's definitely looking forward to Lausanne for the World Championships. Fair play. Now we'll throw it over there then. Now, um, so a big thank you to Chris. Um, Obviously, we can't thank the people that have taken the time out to give us the interviews enough. So, uh, as we've said before about Dean Woolley and then obviously Luke Fisher, um, we have another one coming up next week as well. But as I say, big thank you to Chris for giving up the time and, uh, and giving us the interview. Um, so enjoy. We'll throw it over now and, uh, and we'll come back after that interview. So um, we've just done uh, the interview with Dean Woolley. We've now got... Um, the main person that you see on all ISOC UK's media production, um, Chris Ellis has given time. Chris, thank you very much. Good afternoon. So, again, like we asked for Dean, just give us a bit, bit of a background to yourself in hockey. Uh, well, basically, I mean, cut a long story short, I think uh, a bit like Dean, actually, you know, I went with my, my family, uh, kind of very, not very often, I guess, in the old ring, thinking back, you know, perhaps once, two or three times a year. Um, and it was just really in the last season when Nottingham Panthers were moving to this new ring where we are here now at the National Ice Centre uh, that we got really involved in, in hockey. And I got really into the hockey and you know, caught that bug that everyone seems to catch uh, of ice hockey. And I remember thinking, uh, the girlfriend that I was with at the time, we said that we wanted to get ice hockey uh, season tickets to get Panthers season tickets uh, the next season. So... Um, We'd been getting them on it on, on that semi-regular basis, and then uh, just as we were, I was kind of thinking about getting um, 
season tickets. Colin Frey, who was from Radio Nottingham, still is. He's a sports editor now and commentator from Forest. He just said, um, I'm not going to be covering Panthers as much because uh, we'll be doing lots more commentaries on Forest. Uh, and he said, did you want to become the, the Panthers reporter? Um, and I obviously jumped at the chance. So so basically, that that's where that was in 2000, 2001. So I say I'd started going a bit before the final season in the old ring, started to go quite a lot, got that bug. And then, and then when Panthers first moved in, in, the first season in this new rink was my first season covering it for Radio Nottingham and, and kind of the love affair of ice hockey went from there. And as you mentioned, you know, being kind of the voice of the, the Panthers from BBC Nottingham. Um, so how, how's that been and, and kind of what's been the highlights covering the Panthers? Um, I, I, I think that the, the biggest highlight will always be, the, and you being a Steeler, will probably be that first win because Nottingham hadn't won for, for years, and it was the one where Kimaru scored in, in overtime, 2003, four, yeah. maybe, yeah. Uh, and that was the first win as uh, covering Panthers. It was the first win, um, you know, being a, being a reporter. So it was, um, it was a really uh, memorable, uh, really memorable moment because, you know, it was overtime, it was, it, it was in the Sheffield Arena, it was fantastic, you know, and, and I don't think Nottingham had beaten Sheffield in a cup final before then. Uh, Nottingham hadn't won a trophy for six to eight years, something like that. And I got to commentate on, on the radio for it as well. So so that stands out as the, probably one of the best moments of covering the Panthers radio Nottingham. Um, the, the sequence of events where Nottingham won the playoffs when Rastislav Rovlinek didn't let in a penalty shot. I think that started with a two-legged win over Steelers, a win over Belfast and a win over Cardiff. Um, that was that was very high, uh, and obviously Continental Cup trips, which have been great, and we just had one recently in Denmark. But I think for for a moment, it it would have to be that Kim Arus goal. Um, we'll not talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so, so how did you get involved with with the GB program then? Okay, well for me, um, I was working with the Elite League, doing some real uh, minor media work, really, N- not a lot, nothing compared to what's done these days by by Luke Fisher, who who is doing a great job. Um, and there became a chance to kind of do it for Ice Hockey UK. Um, but at the time, uh, Simsy was doing the men's team, working with Andy Buxton and, and Tomo, so he was going away with the men. I know he was doing the commentaries with Jeff Foster uh, at one time from BBC Coventry in Warwickshire. But I remember saying to, to somebody, it might have been Andy French or, or Eamon Convery at the time, that, the, the, you know, we needed to, you know, there was a scope to do a bit more on the junior teams. You couldn't find much out about the GB20s or GB18s unless you really went on the IIHF website because it was before the days of, of lots of webcasts. Um, so in the initial days, I just did press releases and stuff about the 20s and the 18s uh, and the women. And then when there was a big change around in, in GB and Paul Thompson left and Andy Buxton left for a while and thank God he came back to the programme. Um, but yeah, there were, in that sort of change around, Simsy decided that he didn't have time to do it. Um, so it was this vacancy. And I remember I didn't initially, the, the first tournament I kind of covered uh, once Simsy had, had moved on was the Olympic qualifiers in Japan. Um, when when GB got through to the final stage in Latvia, but the Ice Hockey UK didn't send me at the time. Obviously, Japan was a, a long way, um, but sort of logistics of of trying to find out the scores and and do that. And I remember sort of on the Monday morning, I think the chairman at the time might have been um, 
Mo Ashraf and I just got a text and it said, you know, from now on you're, maybe Andy French sent it, from now on you're going to go to all the, the men's tournaments, um, which was brilliant. So, so yeah, so there was a, a slight crossover where I know David did it and, and couldn't go and then I think there was one tournament where, where no media went and then and then I went to the first one and it kind of grew from there and, and our media team rapidly got bigger and bigger to the extent now we've got, say, Dave, uh, uh, Dave Burnham, videographer and Dean, the photographer who you've just spoken to. And so I suppose what's been your favourite moment whilst being involved in the GB Pro? That's really hard because we've had a, we've had a lot recently, and and there's been some tough times. I mean, you know, the first the first World Championship I went to, uh, we got relegated in in Hungary, uh, and that was tough, and that that was really really sad. You know, we we went there thinking two teams going up, we we could have a chance of going up, and lost five games and got relegated to the to the third tier. Um, which, you know, they, they were tough times and then took GB three years to, to bounce back. It, it's hard, isn't it? We've had the France moment. We've had the, 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 the hungry Robert Farmer moment. And, and it's really hard to, to, to be able to sort of um, to pick between the two. And, and I mean, it's, it's all been an honour. It's all been absolutely fantastic. It's been it's been an emotional roller coaster with some downtimes, loads of up in, in recent years, I think is. Dean jokes. I think since Dean, Dean's joined the program, taking photographs, it's been two gold medals and uh, and a, a win on the final today and the final day to stay in the top flight. Uh, so there's been loads of them. I, I I can't tell you for a moment. There's farmer's goal. I think maybe farmer's goal and 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 that sequence is probably the biggest moment because that's what took us to the top flight. I mean, it was amazing to stay in the top flight and, and what they did. And, you know, you could mention the fact to, to be able to you know, be media manager for a game against Canada. That was unbelievable to see our boys only lose 6-3 to the USA. I mean, there's so many moments you can talk about. But I think in terms of emotion, um, and I welled up one time when I talked about this not so long ago, but in terms of emotion, Farmer scoring in those final few seconds to realise that GB were going to play Canada in America... I don't think I can I can beat that moment. Again, same as we mentioned, the hairs are going back when you're thinking about the goal. Um, what some funny? Have you got the, I'm sure there have been some funny stories whilst uh, doing the the GB games. And, uh, any of that you could share? Oh man, it's hard now. Uh, there's a time where Dean looked after me when I nearly died. Um, <laughs> um, not quite really. Um, but closer than it cares to Funny moments, funny moments. I, I mean, Dino, come on. I've, uh, I mean, it wasn't funny for me, but me uh, completely wiping out. Yes. Ice, uh, yeah. D- yeah. D- yeah. Dean. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, anthems, wasn't it? Just after the anthems, yeah. taking him, taking it a tumble. Um, there's loads. Uh, probably, the problem is, there's probably not many we can repeat, really. Um, you know, we we, ha- we have a lot of fun when we go away. We make sure we have a, a smile on the face. We're always welcome, you know, where, wherever we go. Um, maybe I'll think about that one as we continue the interview. But th- th- there's so many to mention. Um, I, I mean, I suppose one of them might be when I went um, flat on my face uh, when we were doing a... Uh, a piece on the ice with Ben O'Connor. We tried to recreate Ben O'Connor's penalty shot. Myself, Ben O'Connor and Seth Bennett. Now, Seth can skate a bit. He can play a bit. So Seth did it and was fine. And then I did it and fell flat on my face. Um, so that was fun. And we like to have a bit of fun. And the, the, but the cycle ride as well. We did the cycle ride where we were in Netherlands oh, five years ago. I think Dave Burnham or Andy French, who just popped his head at the door. He uh, Somewhere he came and said, you know, ride a bike. 
so we set up this thing where we pretended I'd missed the bus and Dave got in the back of a car. I mean, I always have this phrase, if anyone can, Frenchie can. So Frenchie had sorted us a bike, sorted us a car to hang out the back of, uh, and Dave hung out the back of a car while filming, and, and I cycled doing my opening link. I think it was ahead of the second game uh, in the Netherlands. And uh, so, yeah, we have a lot of fun, uh, and I'm sure there's many that, that, that I haven't mentioned. Um, probably many of them, like I said, maybe not be able to repeat. <laughs> so. so to go back to last year and Kajits with the World Champions, what was it like to after doing 1B, 1A, to actually be working at the World Championship. Because we all say it's the World Championship, yeah. but now it's the World Championship. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I was so proud. And, and just in terms of watching the rise of GB, so so when we're in the third tier, without being too blunt, no one cared. You know, m- not a lot of media in the in the UK cared. Premier Sports, Free Sports cared. BBC with, with Seth Bennett. But trying to get that wider media, it, it was hard. You, you know, we had to kind of create the content, send the content out, you know, and, and we still do that now. But obviously we've seen the, the, the interest from other areas of, areas of media media grow. So to get to the World Championship, so normally you, uh, you know, you go away as media and we create our own content. And you might get the odd request from the Hungarian, let's say, media team or from the Romanian team at, at that level or, or Italy or something. But, but in the top flight. And, and, and I've said this a lot this year, it, it opened my eyes to the amount of media. You know, I, I, you know, I was required of media manager to go down to the mix zone five minutes before the end of the game. And, and literally you get seven, eight, nine, ten different people descend on you going, I want to speak to Ben Barnes, I want to speak to Robert Farmer, I want to speak to Ben O'Connor. We're from Sweden TV, we're from, you know, um, Slovakian TV. Uh, we're from Canada, we're from the USA. And, and, and that was the difference. But what was so great about that was... You know, because it was unique, it was so great that GB were there. The interest in our team, as everyone saw, was great. And it was brilliant in the UK. I saw so much more coverage in the UK. But all around the world, like Sweden did every single game live on on Swedish television. And I had the rinkside reporter from Sweden. She was messaging me every game going, am I okay to speak to Ben O'Connor in the first interview? Can I speak to her? And and, and that was the difference. Um, And also another thing that I always talk about was when... um, Ben Bounds went off injured in one game. And within about uh, two minutes, I'd got three or four media reporters texting me going, can you tell us an update on, on Ben Bounds? And obviously at other levels, it doesn't happen. But in the NHL and, and at these top tournaments, and you know that, that's what it's, you know, it's all about. So I'm thinking, so I'm scrambling, texting our physio team and, and you know, general manager Andy Buxton saying, what's the update on Bounds? And I think the official answer was undisclosed injury <laughs> in the end, you know, like upper body or whatever, not very speed. But, you know, it was things like that that just made you realise that we were a massive tournament and the, and the interest was just phenomenal. As I say, on that mix zone, Ben Bounds spent 20 minutes in there once, one interview after the other. It, it was fabulous. And, and all the top television stations in North America, the sports broadcast, it, it, it was great. And, and, and that was the eye-opener. And, and those boys deserved all the, all the coverage that they got and all the interest that they got. Uh, it was fantastic. And suppose carrying on from there was kind of what was the, the impression and the vibe from the other nation outlets of... Team GB. Yeah, and it was it was brilliant, and and I think they kind of you know they'd ask and like oh do you mind do you mind if we come on your bus before the game and do an interview? Of course you can. Do you know what I mean? It's like you know you go to these tournaments and you want as much coverage as possible. So if somebody wants to come on your bus and do a, a big feature, that they can. So so I know that we we did that with the IIHF one time. Um, 
a lot of GB fans will know about Bombs Away, where the before or after training, the boys put their pups on the stick, throw it in the air, and it hits them on the head. And, and these, these journalists and these TV stations thought they were mad. And suddenly they got wind of this and said, can we come down and film it? So I spoke to Taffy and, and to the management team, and yeah, of course we can. So we arranged for them to come down. So I think they were thought we were slightly crazy. Um, but it, it, it was great the way they just captured the imagination of the of the hockey world and the way they were portrayed. It was like plucky, <coughs> excuse me, like plucky GB. And but but it was just a, it was a great story the way that the journey went on through those games. And I mean they had some low points. The loss against Denmark was probably a, a low point, but the other results I think went more to the way you expected. Um, and you just felt everyone that everyone there was rooting for GB the longer the tournament went on and, and they got that final win. I suppose as a, as a fan of yeah. the game, you're working these tournaments and then you, you know this tournament where you're seeing the names that you recognise from the NHL. And I suppose for myself, for the personal, it's like, wow, I'm actually working with people I recognise from the TV. It, it's funny you should say that because a lot of the boys, obviously, yeah, were, were excited to play alongside the, the big games, big players like Patrick Kane. But but yeah, from from the terms of as well as the media, there's people that you, that I would follow on Twitter and, and see on 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 YouTube in terms of reporters and commentators, and then they would be coming up and going, well, I'm so and so, and you know, I'd like to talk to you about this, and I'm thinking, well, I know who you are because I've I've, I've watched and listened to you. So that that was another thing as well. It was also these media people that that, that work for these big. Uh, television companies and, and radio stations and, and newspaper reporters right across North America and, and Sweden and some of them that you know you'd you'd uh, that you know that I was aware of and they were coming across and so so yeah it was it was remarkable to to not only rub shoulders with players from around the world but from real big broadcasters in in North America and from the hockey world. Uh, and that tournament is probably going to be the same this year uh, in Lausanne. So I suppose from how do you see your role? When you, when you go to the tournament and you sort of present the, the tournament itself, how do you see it in terms of delivering that tournament to fans through the outlets that you do? Through? Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 varied because obviously we, we, it, it, we have our own sort of things that we need to do, our own social media, our own website. Um, and now, obviously, with YouTube, we put a lot of stuff up on there, thanks to the genius of, of Dave Burnham, <coughs> whether that be highlights or interviews or, or packages or anything like that so it, it's it's important to cater for ourselves but then it's important to make sure you cater for for other media so we'll get quite a lot of requests from maybe the BBC wanting something for a, a feature or for the British Ice Hockey podcast or yourself you know you know it's it's or the I mean, Daily Mail I mean Paul Newman's come on board a lot I mean he, Paul Newman from the Daily Mail actually came to the tournament last year and he's, he's going to come this year but it's important, I think, to like fulfil every request. So if somebody wants a few pictures over the, over for a newspaper, <coughs> excuse me, um, and then it, you know Dean will do that. So you know if somebody wants a few words with the coach, you know, but they can't get here, but they want to get the coach on the phone, then we'll do that. So not only is it important to kind of keep our channels open so people can follow it on YouTube and and Twitter and, and Instagram and so forth. It's making sure that the other media outlets who are who are maybe with us at a tournament can get all they need, or if they're not there, they can get it. Because there's there's lots of like local newspaper reporters in the UK 
that, that are good or radio stations. I mean, Pete Spencer is one for Radio Sheffield. Let's just give that example because I'm sure he's someone you know. So he might want to do a little piece with, with a player when they're away and just say, can I have a few words with Jonathan Phillips? Well, of course you can. So it's making sure you can coordinate things like that. To, to make sure that you're just getting those little snippets, just like even 30 seconds on Radio Sheffield is, is a massive for us. Um, so I see the role here, as, as I say, as a kind of in a nutshell, as making sure that people who follow our own social media channels and websites and, and, and YouTube are ticking off, but also making sure the various bits of, say, the BBC, sometimes I'll be able to send some stuff back to Radio Nottingham that they'll put on their social media channels. Um, you know, through Seth Bennett, you know, sometimes we're able to send stuff back that will, you know, you know, there have been times we'll get us on breakfast television, uh, which we were on this morning uh, with a bit of the action from from last night's game. So th there's many aspects to the role. And obviously the added aspect to the role was all the media demands from the World Championship in Slovakia, which I'm, I'm looking forward to doing again in Switzerland. And I suppose uh, from a different angle, it's, it's, how would you like to, the role developing to also kind of engage Domestic clubs, regardless of level, either elite league or national ice um, league level, um, so that they kind of buy into it more or even more now into the program. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I would love to see the domestic clubs, you know, give constant war-to-war -war coverage. And you know, I look around, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to name clubs, but some clubs are, are way better than others. Some clubs, you know, just don't touch Great Britain. Uh, other clubs ask for stuff, you know, and, and that's and, and that again, that's Sheffield, through, and and that and that goes to, a lot of credit goes to Simsy. You'll always constantly be messaging myself or Dean or Dave saying, I want this picture. Are you going to send this article? Are you, you know, can you do that? Um, and so some clubs are exceptional. Belfast, another one who are very active in in asking for. Um, and I understand they've got their own domestic things, and 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 it's not Great Britain. Um, but if I'm being really honest, it would be great to get to get more buy-in. Um, and, and to see it, you know, while we're away, because, you know, obviously I'm going to be biased, but I think, you know, it's massive if you've got four players or two players from your club representing Great Britain. It, it's huge. Um, and, and, and I say it's not a criticism because a lot of the clubs are um, very much on board and, and we do get coverage on on the websites and, and so forth. Um, but even more buy in would would be great. Um, but as I say, 80% of the time, I think it's fantastic, but there's a, still a few times when I just go, just wish there could be more. But that's always the case with anything. You, you want a bit more. You want to get that message wider to, to bigger platforms. Um, and, and so I think, you, you know, if, if we ever get satisfied, I think we're not doing a good job because you've always got to keep improving and got to keep expanding and getting more coverage. So the minute anyone says, says you know, oh, we're fine now, I, you know, that, to me, that's wrong. You know, we want to we want to push the boundaries of a media team to do more innovative things and to reach more areas. And, and hopefully we can do that. And the last question um, from your perspective, what are you looking forward to the most in the sort of the, the near future as part of the GB program? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, one of the major things is I'm looking forward to see if this GB team could reach the Olympics. And, and, and many years ago, you just thought that would have been a crazy thing to say. But, you know, three years ago, you, you would never, four years ago, you'd never believe this team would now be in a second year at the top flight of the World Championship. And, and I was just looking at the groups the other day and we were looking about where GB, you know, could place in it. it they're probably going to, if they can win... And get through this stage, you know, here and, and probably our final day showdown with Hungary. If and, and that's by no given. I mean, I think GB and Hungary are closely matched. If you play that game 
10 times. Maybe it's it's 5-5, five, five, you know, five wins each. It's by no means a given that GB will win that final game. But if they did win that final game, it looks like GB would be off to Slovakia again. Um, it's not certain because the three groups at the same time and a lower seed might upset somewhere, so it might change. Um, but then you look at the groups that, that GB could go in and you see, well, that's kind of winnable. Whereas four years ago, when we didn't even make it through in Italy, you looked at the next stage and said, well, that would be too tough anyway. And then when we got into Latvia, so that must be eight years ago now, is it? Um, you know, we played Germany and we played somebody else and it, uh, uh, we played Latvia and someone else and we never had a chance. But now you're looking at it and you're going, they've got a chance. So it's amazing to think that we're talking about. Um, the chance that they could go to an Olympic Games to Beijing 22. So I'm excited to see what might happen here and then Touchwood maybe in the next stage in, in August. Uh, and then and then the World Championship again, getting to experience it once again uh, and seeing what these boys can do because all these boys have done over the last three or four years is astound people. But I say astound people, we should be used to it by now. You know, the, the, there's nothing they can't do. And I think I said that to Seth Bennett in a, in a commentary uh, in, in the final day. And it's just like they're never beaten. They don't know when to when they're beaten, um, and they're an amazing set of players. And and you know I can't speak highly of them and the the off ice staff. So I'm just excited to see what this journey will bring now, what Switzerland will bring. I mean if you if you look at it, they only lost three one to Germany in the opening game. Play Germany again this time. Could they beat Germany? You know it was only three one last time. Um, you know it, it's 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 remarkable. I tell you one thing, we've not touched on it. I'm really excited about the Canada game. The Canada game here in Nottingham, sold out in four days, remarkable. Um, I, I'm excited to see Canada coming to this building, to coming to Nottingham, you know, and, and kudos to Andy French, who's been the genius behind that. But I'm excited to see that, you know, it just, I mean, that kind of sums up where we've been, hasn't it? The fact that, like, Canada three years ago would not even have thought of coming here and, and now they've said yes and they're coming. I suppose that is a massive feather in the cap for the whole programme to, like I said, bring... The powerhouse. Exactly, exactly. And as I say, Andy French has got all the contacts and has made it happen. But it, it's amazing to think that, that Canada are going to stop off on the way from North America to here to play. And it just shows how far the program has come. And, and I can't wait to see full house in this building. Uh, GB playing the number one team in the world. It's going to be amazing. It should be a great night. Chris, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. I and mean, I hope the listeners will enjoy it as much as I have. Um, it's been some good stories and good insight into the programme as it's gone from the days of Belfast to, to where we are now. Brilliant. Good to talk to you. Thank you. So just going back in after the interview with Chris Ellis, and again, a big thank you to him for agreeing to give up his time to, uh, to speak to us. Um, hopefully you enjoyed that one. I know we, uh, we certainly did. Um, gents, moving Back onto the agenda, we have another controversial thing. Suspected that webcast may be a bit more controversial than it actually was. Um, however, there is a topic that has reared its ugly head in the Elite League again, um, prompted by the five flyers. But to be fair, don't really think it took that much prompting. Really didn't think we were going to end up discussing it on the podcast again. But here we are. Um, Drumgate. I'm going to throw it over straight over to you guys and, and just see what we make of the monstrosity that has become Drumgate. Part there. Part toi. We talked about it twice oh, yeah. already. Yeah. <laughs> I've uh, lost a lot of respect for the firefighters. This is as cheap as you're going to get. Um, they've tried to engineer something, trying to play this, you know, David against Goliath 
line, you know, stick one up against the establishment type thing, and it's garbage. And what they've done is cheap. Um, and we're talking a club with a lot of history, a lot of tradition of doing the right thing, and they've really not. They've really screwed up in my eyes this time. Um, and then it's just the complete outrage on social media. Guys, girls, whoever, it's a bloody drum. It's not a big thing. It's not a big deal. The amount of knicker twisting I've seen on social media about a drum. Oh, I can't bring a drum. Oh, my God, how terrible. Let's boycott games. Really? Of a drum? Have a quiet word with yourself. Go in the corner of your room, find a mirror, and just reflect. On Certainly what have a quiet word in Sheffield if you want it, because you can't make it too loud, otherwise it'll that be banned. There's rules against uh, noises made in libraries. Let's not forget that. Uh, yeah. I'll, I've stole it from uh, David Newton. Um, I saw it on Twitter. I did laugh. Uh, I, just, I just, why are we getting our knickers in a twist over a drum? Sure, I like a drum if done properly. And that's in time. The, in time, that's the crux of it. If if you have a group of drummers who drum well, or one drummer who drums good, like the young uh, kid Glasgow fam, spot on. Fine, not a problem. But at the end of the day, the, this rule that's been brought in will be reviewed at the end of the season. This was something just to get to the end of the season and there'll be something that well, I can imagine there'll be a compromise um, and drums will be allowed back. But just to... It's just stupid. It's just absolutely dumb how people have carried on and carried on. And then we just ignore the fact that they're not allowed away drums with their new drum block. And then a counter argument, well, that was took up, it's been taken away from the away fans this season, so it's not fair. No, you've still not got the opportunity to take your drum to Nottingham. But the heat's not giving on them. And you just kind of go, is it really about drummers or just having a dig at Sheffield? Now, Sheffield is good enough to do um, do stuff that allows people to have digs at them. Don't get me wrong. A drum? Is that the depths we've got to, guys, girls? Is that where we are now? If, you know, maybe we need to think about just packing it all in just you know if that's how we're gonna get um triggered over a drum i don't know it's it's depressing it's, it, there's many words that i can't use on this podcast but we'll go with depressing i'll throw it over because i could, I could go on about this because it's uh it's, it's it's for me it's hammer tower by a lot of people yeah, uh, tr- triggered a good, a good word. It, it, it was quite funny to see how many fans actually, five fans were triggered by that. When uh, I'm sure for the powers of social media that they would have known about this uh, last month, I think it was. Anyway, so yeah, they should have really known. So, but to act like they hadn't, it was a bit, you know, just taking a, taking a dig at a club that under circumstances they had to do something. You know, we're getting. Complaints for whatever reason. We we still don't know the whole the whole reason behind it. And Tony Smith did what he could to make everyone happy. And you know, I I, I don't know why it's a massive big deal because from recent memory, I can't remember any drums being allowed at the playoff finals. I I can't even think that there have been any. Certainly not heard of any. But if if there have, obviously it's me. But yeah, just I don't especially get it when you know you go to a football game, Premier League, not allowed to take uh, certain objects like drums or things like that because they can be considered projectiles. 
But um, <laughs> it's, it's quite funny. In in uh, on, a, on a post that I saw, uh, a fan tried to get in with a gnome because it wasn't covered on a list of projectiles, and he pointed this out to the security and they let him in. Let him in with gnome, <laughs> which was really funny. Um, but yeah. No, I mean it's 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 not just hockey that's not allowed things like that. It's foot it's football. It's probably rugby games as well. So I, I know the Wednesday band have to get special dispensation from the away teams to allow them to go into the ground with the drums and, and the the instruments to play the music. Um, so that's the way they go. But they have to get. And I know some clubs, um, in particular local clubs, don't allow them. Um, so that's you're right. You're not allowed per se, but they get the special dispensation because they are also um, the, the the drum and band for the England team. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's it's not just it's not just hockey. It's not just Steelers. So I don't get the massive deal and the massive backlash for this. It's, it's, it's not justified. So you know, um, just shake your heads in in disgust. I, I'm baffled that a month, two months, three months, however long down the line it is, and we are still talking about not being able to take drums into Sheffield. Absolutely ludicrous to my mind. Now, granted, feel free, tell us on social media, whatever. We've not got breath this week. Tell us if you think we're being biased. All three of us are from Sheffield. All three of us are looking at this from a Steelers fan's perspective. Now, we always try and take a step back. We always try and look at it from a general perspective rather than from a Steelers perspective. But feel free to tell us if you think that's how we're being. But to my mind, it's it's just such a disproportionate response. Again, we see this constantly over social media, these disproportionate knee-jerk reactions to minor things. Yes, there's been a change. Sheffield, to be fair, never was an issue taking a drum in. Yes, there was some backlash in the game. Dave, as you say, we've made a quick decision to try and sort that out, stop that, end of the season, and that's probably going to be reviewed so that we can sort something out. And don't forget, also, these are complaints to the arena. Yeah. And the arena will be an advisor of the club. So... It's, it's just the whole thing is it's just maddening. You just think, for a start, people are people are trying to say, oh, it's unfair. Sheffield shouldn't be allowed to take drums in if the away fans aren't allowed to take drums in. I revert back to my previous comment about webcasts. You know, a management isn't going to make their decisions based on what's best for the away fans, and if a home team are going to control who can bring drums in and who aren't going to be able to take drums in, they're always going to favour on the side of the home fans taking the drums in. Why would you not? Why would you not, if if you're looking at it in the grand scheme of things, what Sheffield are actually doing is using their ability to create the atmosphere created in their building. Now, you could put a spin on that. Because I'll admit, and we've we've discussed the whole atmosphere side of things before, so I'm not going to go into it in great detail. We've discussed the fact that if people don't want to go in and chant from start to finish, that's fine. If people do, that's fine. Now, the atmosphere at times in that building is horrendous at times for the amount of people in the building. I think we can all agree that, that at times it is horrendously quiet. 
Now, us three, you know, we'll stand at games. We don't necessarily chant all that all that great amount at games, but the atmosphere should be considerably better in that building. So there is that flip side argument. People saying, "Oh well, it's because our our atmosphere is that embarrassingly quiet that we need to control the away teams." Well, if that's the case, that's the case. We're the home teams. Our prerogative. But on top of that, I I just think it's the it's daft. Why just just go to the game, clap, shout, make noise. There's there's nothing. Nobody saying you can't make noise. There are so many leagues across the world where drums aren't needed to make that noise. You don't see drums in an NHL game. Yes, granted, you see... Mascot or someone with one, but... Yeah, sometimes you'll see the mascot with them and things like that. Granted, they have a bit of a different way, a bit of a different culture in the NHL in terms of chanting, and also the number of fans in comparison to how many we have over here has a lot more potential to make the noise, so fair play on that front. But you don't see drums over there. You don't see fans over there going, I have to take in my drum. And I, I, and I get it. I mean, Dave, you you used to bang a drum at Steelers games for a time. I used to bang a drum at Steelers games for a time. You know, it, it's, it, we've, we've been there. Dave, you've probably been there at an away game wondering whether or not it's an arena where you can take a drum into. I've, I've done it. In fact, the irony was at one point, there used to be a bit of an issue getting one into Breyer Arena. And there yeah. were a few times where we were told different things. We actually brought up friends you know, at times asking if you could take a drum in, and we were told no. And then we were told different things from different people. It's one of those things. It is one for you. You you, were, you listen to, to GB games at World Championships. You, you, there's a couple of drums that do go out, but you act, you mostly just hear the voices. You hear the, the, the fans yeah. singing. You don't necessarily hear the drum all the time so it's doable I, you know, if, if, if Cub says you can't take a drum well, right, plan B, use your voice the whole point of the drum shouldn't be to create the noise the whole point of the drum realistically should be to lead the crowds to join in with whatever's been chanted and whatever beans, whatever, whatever's been put forward. Yes, the drum's louder. Yes, you can hear that across the building. But you use that then to start a chant that the rest of the building can then join into because they can hear the drum beat. They know what's going on. I'll, I'll throw another example, mate. The, the, uh, ironically, the weekend of what caused it on Sheffield, we was in Prague and went to the Sparta Prague game and we ended up in the, the standing section where the drums were. And Andy had, if you can back up on this one, you, you knew the drums were there because we were like close to them, but you actually hardly heard them. And not because everyone was singing and everything, but they were just coordinating. They were just, the drum was used to conduct and the fans took over. Yeah. So it's doable. I heard the... Um... Oh, what's it called now? My mind's shocking today. The um, megaphone. Yeah. The, I could hear that more than I could hear the drums. Yeah. And no, but, but everyone's got to realise it's not just away fans aren't allowed to bring drums in. They're in now. It's Sheffield fans, apart from four who are at the block. So. What, what are they categorised yeah. as? Um, match night crew. Match That's night it. crew. Yeah. I just, do you know what I have to say, and I'll turn this, say we'll try and look at this as as neutrally as we can. And so I'll, t- I'll turn this also on, on the Steelers fans a little bit as well. I also find it quite hilarious how certain fans within our own fan base then use this 
argument to try and crave appreciate not appreciation approval from the rest of the league because I've seen so many tweets so many Facebook comments oh don't tire us all with the same brush I actually like the drums I actually like the atmosphere yeah don't get me wrong I do it's great to go into a building with a good atmosphere and ours currently has none and we sit a block away from the drums if to be fair, I sit about five seats along from the drum. So you're the, you're the closest of the three of us. Yeah. But it, it, it just it just makes me laugh the number of comments. Don't tell us over the same brush. I like the drums. I like the atmosphere. Oh, please like me at least. It's like just give it a break, man. It's it, it, it's it's a bit of a culture of seeking approval. Um, if you are within a bracketed category that is being criticised, you want to be seen or the trends are you want to be seen to be you know you want to be approved you want to be not what's being criticized you want to be seen to be the good person etc etc um that's been going on for a fair while this year we've just seen it more often than not um is the atmosphere in sheffield bad yeah it's awful the atmosphere in games is awful but and they, yeah, it doesn't the help thing is, i've it said this a million times help. i think yeah. before you go it doesn't help when the people will try and make an atmosphere then try and take the P out of people for not singing. So you kind of think, you know, you, are you helping yourself here, guys and girls? You're not. I've, I've said this a million times as well. The issue with Sheffield is we try and tailor the atmosphere to every single possible person. You and can't. what we should be doing is trying to tailor the atmosphere to the middle ground. It's a sporting event. So why are we trying to tailor the atmosphere to make it like a nursery playing baby shark? Why are we trying to tailor the atmosphere to be, to to facilitating Maureen from Attercliff who's been going since she was however old and now she's 92 and she wants to talk to Pat next door because she's sat next to her for 25 years. Why are we doing that? It's a sporting event. Let's turn the music down so people can have a conversation with their friends. Why? And that it's that's the whole thing. It's the whole culture at the moment is that Sheffield need to find some kind of middle ground rather than trying to tailor for everybody. Last game in Sheffield, we played Sweet Caroline twice in a period because just because we we couldn't play the whole thing in the first break. The first break in play didn't last long enough for us to get to the actual Sweet Caroline bit, so we played it again. The ultimate atmosphere killer in a game again that we were just getting momentum in. And then we play Sweet Caroline twice. We have a knack of playing that or Baby Shark when the atmosphere is just nicely bubbling and the crowd starts to get in. And then all of a sudden, someone gets excited in the White House. Oh, it's my favourite song. Let me play it. Well, you've just killed the atmosphere. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, it's there's a lot of work needs doing. Um, and the, you know, the worst thing is we we spoke a while back. Um, about the, what the NHL does in respect to using the Jumbotron mm. and getting the crowd involved. So why don't we do that? Look and, at you know, Nottingham. So, Nottingham's so, so, already Nottingham, used a lot better. Nottingham, oh, that was superb. What we saw the, during the Olympic qualifiers. Now, we, we did a lot of videos. We got Seal the Dancer, get involved, do the dancers, and, and XYZ. Great. Good stuff. You know, productive. Next Zombie year, nature. You know, next year, let's get that using Seal the Dan, 
but to get the crowd involved, you know, use it to, to get them, you know, to wave the, you know, do the, the playoff towel properly. I mean, that'd be a good start. Um, you know, just things like that, which you get the crowd involved. I'll tell you now, atmosphere then builds. You don't need to eat Caroline. You know, the shark can go and just swim in the ocean, just, you know, bugger off. You know, we don't need to hear it anymore if you do it properly. My dad made a brilliant suggestion on this. Um, obviously, a lot of a lot of places, particularly Nottingham, do it all the time. I've seen a few videos of them doing it on their Jumbotron. We we play it. We don't play the video on the Jumbotron. Um, Freddie Mercury at uh, Live, uh, Live Aid. Live Aid, yeah. Doing the AO, whatever it is, and then everybody sings it back. How hilarious and how, what good use of the Jumbotron that we could do in Sheffield... Given that it actually sounds like you're saying A up. Can you imagine? We used to do it on a Jumbotron a few years ago. Yeah. But my dad's, my dad's saying that the, what the optimum thing to do would be to, to get a recording and do a bit of a twist. Can you imagine if we could get Sean Down from the Everly Pregnant Brothers <laughs> to oh, yes. a Yorkshire version doing it as A up and then get a video of him in the yellow jacket? on the screen doing it Freddie Mercury style like, <laughs> on the screen it'd be brilliant it'd get, it'd get the Sheffield people laughing granted I, I get the fact that there are going to be people listening to this that have no idea who Everly Pregnant Brothers are all I can say is listen Google to on Spotify YouTube Spotify you'll not be disappointed um, but you know can you imagine getting something like that there's so much potential to use the Jumbotron and we just we, just, we can't find that at the moment um, we hit the wall and the wall's called Caroline yeah, it's true. It is true. Um, to, to be fair, what the thing I'll say to be fair to summarise then on, on my my front on the drum gate is the atmosphere in Sheffield bad? Yes. Do I agree with the decision to stop away fans from bringing drums in? No. I can see why it's been made. But no, I think away fans should still be able to bring them in. So that's that. That me saying that the argument is ridiculous isn't saying that the motive behind it is. I think that away fans should be able to bring the drums in. Is the response on social media over the past three months proportionate? Not in the slightest. And the one comment that I that I've seen over and over and over again from Steelers fans and from fans from across the rest of the league, other than suggesting that we boycott it and even suggesting Steelers fans boycott their own home games, ludicrous. But the one thing above all else that, that just kind of winds me up a little bit: Steelers fans should be embarrassed. Come on, Why? really? Give your head a wobble. Should be embarrassed because we've stopped people from taking a drum in. Realistically. Look at look at Glasgow. How many they had? What three drummers that came in? It's impacting what three three fans not being able to take the drums in. If you get the rest of that block clapping and making noise, you don't really need the drums. So what you're now telling me is we should be embarrassed of our own club because of one decision to stop drums from being taken into the game, which in this which, which in the grand scheme of things, from a club who this time last year was wondering whether or not they were going to make playoffs, from a club who's moved forward now to be sitting top of the league, granted with a few games in, in hand to Cardiff and things like that, but from a club who's moved from that to being top of the league and pushing for a title, pushing for a Challenge Cup title, and we should be embarrassed because we've made the decision to not let away fans bring in drums. I think Sheffield fans should be more embarrassed about the atmosphere in the rink, but also yeah. hockey fans' use of social media before we get embarrassed about not taking drums in. 
in the in the, in the rank and file of things, being embarrassed because the club said no to drums is down the bottom. Bigger things to be embarrassed about, but that's not one of them. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah, it's it's the same. I mean, unless anybody's got anything else to to say, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but that's very much my my case is it's completely. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I say we should should move on. Let's stop banging on about it. Yeah. No. Oh, (laughs) by the way, Joe, how do you know how old? How do you know how old uh, Maureen is and who her friends are? Have you met her recently? Um, I I, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, that's that's very much my take. Is I don't agree with the decision, but let's move on. I, I, in fairness, I think you summed it up perfectly for me, mate. It's it's a muchness about nothing. There are bigger things to worry about. Um, Sheffield collectively need to do more for the atmosphere, but those who make an atmosphere need to also work with the fans and don't take the mick. I guarantee you now on Saturday there'll be a particular champ, and they just lose all the ground to get people to back them to make an atmosphere. So if any of you listening, have a think about what you're saying. Before you scream and talk, in my humble opinion, rubbish, give yourself five seconds. I can't understand that. Do you think it makes sense? If you're not, less is more. Less purely is more. Use your voice to sing for you know the chance. Use it for that. Productive. We'll get the fans on board. We'll get the atmosphere going. I did see somebody with a hilarious suggestion. They suggested that everybody in the away section take in a Bluetooth speaker and then play drum noises on a Bluetooth speaker, which I just thought was hilarious. Oh, God. Did you really come into that? (laughs) I just thought it was quite a funny suggestion. I just thought, can you imagine? I think that I'd like go over and above like the Steelers sneaking the drum into Nottingham all those years back. I remember that. That was superb. Which I know kind of counteracts what we were saying, but that was just hilarious seeing people chase around row after row, people just passing a drum along. In yeah. Oh, if only social media was around them times. Oh, wow. Would have been wonderful. Oh, we would have had a field day. But yeah, on the flip side, if, if there are any uh, any plans on uh, on taking Bluetooth speakers in to make drum noises, let us know. We'll all take ours, because I just think that's hilarious. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, have, we, have, have we got anything else to add on Drumgate? Are we good to move on and no, hopefully never have on. to mention it again? Um, the next thing we've got, we put out on social media um, earlier on today um, about what we were going to be doing this week is just discussing kind of the MVP that we feel um, from three teams this week, three teams next week, and then two teams the following two weeks. Um, so the one player... Above all, and this isn't saying the only player, anything like that, but the one player that we see as the top priority player to be re-signed by the club next season. Um, I think the way that we're going to do it is what decide two players between us and then put it out on, on social media for the final decision to be done on social media. Um, so we'll put polls out if I remember, um, <laughs> we'll put polls out to see what you guys think, but we'll come up with two players for each and we've asked for nominations. We've got some, um, Dave, have you got a list of the nominations that we've had or have you got them in front of you or anything like that? Or do you want me to quickly get them up on my phone? I can get them in front of me, yes. Can you? Well, can you get Twitter up then and I'll get the Facebook ones I, up? I, I've got Twitter primed so, and ready to go. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, gents, I mean, I will throw it 
straight over. I mean, the three teams that we'll do this week will be Cardiff, Coventry and Fife. Um, who do we want to start with? Somebody say a team. Cardiff. Alfred Squadra. Yeah, fair play. We'll go with that. So I broke it down to three. And I'm just not sure how I vote for it, but uh, if it involves Cardiff and it involves a vote, it has to have, by law, Joe Martin, the GOAT, Nathan Lyons. Um, Actually, in his contract, that anything Elite League related <laughs> must involve Joey Martin at some point. Yeah, has to be. Um, I, I mean, I'd also bracketed in Gleason Fournier and Mark Richardson. Fair play. Um, I will. I'll throw in for now. I'll just. I'll just say the ones that we've got on Facebook. The nominations that we've had on Facebook have been Sam Jardine, Cardiff, and Bounds are two that have been mentioned on Facebook. I don't know about Twitter. There's none um, for Cardiff. The none for Cardiff. On it Twitter. seems to be the the people from the Kingdom of Fife have took over that one this week. We we can only presume that the people of Twitter think that Joey Martin should be a nomination. Um, I, I must have just assumed it's a given. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I've got three to throw in, and I'll I'll give you my reasons as well. Um, Ben Bounds, which to be fair I've just mentioned, was one of the nominations on Facebook. He's got to be one for me. Um. As, as as we spend more and more time in Pool A, we know that the chances more and more of Bounds getting snapped up by a team in a different league are higher and higher and higher. Um, next season, the league obviously changes rules in terms of imports. So Brits, and this is this is a point uh, that was brought up on Facebook as well by Greg Hewish, um, who said due to the new rules, I'd say our Brits will be the most important, which is bang on. Um, and to be fair, out of all of that, I think it's never been more helpful it's never been more important for like the likes of Cardiff, the likes of Nottingham maybe, to have that Brit netminder. Um, so I think Bounds definitely has to be up there. Um, I would say Gleeson Fournier, um, just for the fact it's Gleeson Fournier and he just constantly leads in, in terms of points and, and ability. I, think I don't think there's a single team in the Elite League that doesn't want to see him in their colours. Um, and last but not least for me is Blair Riley. A um, little bit lower down in terms of point production this year. However, it's the crucial goals, it's the clutch goals in games that Blair Riley gets as well. Uh, we know he he don't mind getting involved in the in the more physical stuff as well. But you look over the last three or four games for Cardiff alone, you know they could have easily dropped four, six, eight points if it weren't for Blair Riley. Um, you know over t- overtime win against Coventry, Blair Riley Blair Riley bags the winner. You know, last-minute goal against Fife to win the game on the free sports game a couple of weeks ago. Blair Riley bags the winner. It's those crucial goals. And for all we know, a loss against Coventry in overtime, a loss against Fife in overtime in those two games, that's two points dropped. Sheffield then go on to win the rest of their games. Cardiff lose the league. So it's those crucial goals for me for Blair Riley. It's the reason that he's my last one. And mine is, uh, first of all, Sam Jardine. Uh, Definitely, uh, he's got the best plus minus this season for Cardiff, plus 18. Not the not the most of uh, not the most offensive defensive in the league, but his defensive play has been really really key for them. Uh, a big reason why he's plus 18. And the other one for me has to be Joey Haddad. Uh, ever since ever since he joined Cardiff in 2014, 
he's had 30 point seasons throughout all six seasons so doing very very well as well 32 points last season 44 games uh this season 43 point 43 games sorry and 49 points so you know he's gonna be hitting probably the 60 point mark by the end of april so yeah it's different matter I'm glad you said Joey had that actually because I was literally just thinking it's quite baffling that we're not actually mentioning Cardiff's top yeah. point scorer in that list. Um, so gents, we've, we've so on that list. So just let's just to recap over them. So we've got Joey Haddad, Gleason Fournier, um, Joey Martin, Blair Riley, Sam Jardine, and Ben Bounds and Mark Richardson. I think for the basis of we've been mentioned multiple times, I think you'd have to go in terms of the two. I think you'd have to go. Um, Sam Jardine and Grayson Fournier in terms of the pick we're going to have as a vote yeah I could I could I could see on, that on, on, on a balance of you you know we've had from social media and from ourselves with a lot of individual players Haddad Martin Riley Richardson Bounds but them two have been mentioned multiple times as I'd say they'd be the ones that we put forward to be fair, if I, if I could come up with an argument against that, then I'd put it forward, but I honestly can't. I mean, I think I think they've both been pretty top-notch players for Cardiff. Um, Sam Jardine, plus 18 in plus-minus this season. It's just unreal. Um, 13 points from 42 games. You know, he's, he's, he's been a good addition to that team. So, yeah, fully agree with those two. Um, Andy, are you happy to go for, go forward with them? Yeah, no problem at all, yeah. Dave, if you're writing those down the fixtures, like, can you just write those Already down? Already done. Already yeah, one step ahead of you, mate. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, wrong podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll then move on to, if we, so carry on in alphabetical then, should we go Coventry? Yep. So my three are a bit of goal of CJ Mott. He's, he's, since he's come in, he seems to have, uh, co- it seems to have coincided with their upturn in forms. Um, you cannot look at Coventry and not think Luke Ferrara, a career year for him. Uh, my third player, um, bit of a left field one, but Justin Hash, a defenseman, a positive in the plus minus, 37 points off the top of my head. Um, now that type of defenseman can give you that many points. Bit of a keeper in that respect. So they're the three that I put forward. No, he's a D man, not a keeper. Hey. I'll serve you volley. Go on. Uh, 30 points in 44. Sorry, I just thought you, you said you couldn't remember them, so I just thought I'd No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, Facebook, the only one that I can see on Facebook that we've got is CJ Mott, who obviously you've already mentioned. Um, any on Twitter, or is it was it literally just five that we got on Twitter? Um, sound. My three, to be fair then, would be CJ Mott, um, Luke Ferrara, and the third that I would throw in, and I said this to you, Dave, earlier on, I would never expect to have said this guy in a million years um, to be one of the top three in terms of the MVP for Coventry, but uh, Russ Venus, Russ Venus, um, 43 games, 32 points, and a plus-minus of plus 21. Uh, obviously, that being a Brit uh, and having the A for the Blaze as well. Uh, certainly proved his value this year. 
my first one's definitely Luke Ferrara. Uh, I mean, it's not very often you see average player in in a top three of the scoring. Uh, but he's really proven his worth at Coventry. Uh, I think it'd be, you know, a, a bit of a blow for them if if, if he was to go somewhere else. Uh, just a fantastic player, fantastic, fantastic British player. He's pushed himself this season doing really well. And the um, second one, it was really hard this one to choose between the two. Uh, but I'm I'm going to give both because they're quite similar. I was going to say, me and Dave have both gone three, mate. Yeah. So, great. If you've got okay. two, go for it. Uh, I'm going to go with Andrew Johnston, who has, he's played 44 games, 45 points, uh, 54 penalty minutes. He's done a pretty decent job in Coventry. And uh, one that I think I mentioned before, uh, Yanni Lakanen. Yeah. Who, again, uh, been amazing this season. 36 assists and seven goals. You can see... Uh, He's a very, very big team player. Uh, it, work, it works those big areas and finds finds his teammates really well. So, yeah, another player I, I think it's done really well. Low in penalty minutes as well, which is also good yeah. to see. Yeah. Well, again, a uh, fair few that we mentioned. We've got, just to summarise again, we've got Luke Ferrara, Andrew Johnston, Yane Lakinen, Ross Venus, Justin Hache, and CJ Mott with a have I missed anybody off there? I think that was it, wasn't it? No. Um, I think we've got a. To my mind, we've got a clear, a clear cut two there. I don't. I don't know what you got. I mean, to, to my mind, for a start, we've definitely got to say Ferrara. Yeah. Um, I mean, as, Andy, as you say, top top points in terms of comparison to the league. He's what top three. Um, top point scorer for Coventry, Brit, and also us three have, have all said him as well. Um. Who are we thinking for a second? I mean, instinctively, I'm I'm thinking CJ Mott, just on the premise that two of us have said him, and he's been said on on Facebook as well. I think on that same premise that we did for the Cardiff ones, I think it'd be the same principle. And we would go CJ Mott. A lot of honourable mentions in that team who who have, from what we said at the beginning of the season, no, they are overachieved. So, but I would go me plus I'd go CJ Mott, Andy. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, while we're, while we're on the, the line of honourable mentions, I mean, to be fair, Corcoran and Bloodoff could also be up there yeah. on that list as well. Yeah, Corcoran will be another one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're good to go with, so we're happy, all three of us happy to go with Ferrara and CJ Mott on that one. Yeah. Yeah, sound. Right, the last one we've got then is Fife, uh, and we've got a fair few more nominations on this one. Um, just to confirm, there's none on Facebook, so it looks like Fife of ooh. Looks like Fife have fully taken over Twitter on this one. They have. Um, I'll just go through the Twitter ones. Um, Andy's favourite player, Danik Gauthier. You don't look, you don't look happy we're talking about him now. I know. Leave him alone. Oh, is he yours? Sorry. How's he yours? Leave him alone. Uh, Mike Cazola, James Isaac, Jonas Emmerdal. Uh, Michael Gutwalt, uh, Carlo Fanucci, Chase Shaber, Adam Morrison um, is Twitter one. There's been a lot of love from Five for the Goat. Uh, this is the other goat, not Nathan Lyons. Uh, Danny Gauthier. Danny Um My three um, includes the goat. Uh, Danny Gauthier. Danny Gauthier. Um, <laughs> 
having far too much fun at the scope don't um i have also have, i've got the crowd of brothers i i think they've now this the turning things around slightly they're showing what they've done throughout the season but under the radar of they've not done well if that makes sense they've been they've been like the real you know highlights of a at the moment poor season if they kind of run the form that could change into you know make the final four now final eight even and who knows but for me them two players have been the one getting the points whereas others haven't gents I think you look at this team you've not got a single player that's above a point per game which I think goes to tell a story about five season this year and, and probably goes to suggest why they're at the bottom end. Um, for me, my three, uh, again, got to mention Danny Gauthier. I love that. Danny Gauthier, that, that's really, really, um, <laughs> crack me up with that. Um, I've got to mention Adam Morrison. And my third... Um, a bit more out of the box, but we're going again with the kind of the Brit and the new rules going in. Um, looking at his stats as well, he's had a pretty decent season. Uh, it's not just because he shares a name with Flash Gordon, uh, but I honestly think Sam Bell uh, has to be mentioned on that list. I mean, in the season that Fives had this year, for a D-man um, to put, I mean, seven points in 22 games and a plus-minus of minus eight, I, I I think he's he's done pretty well. He's he's willing to throw his body out there. We, you know, he had the fight against uh, Toussignon. Just yeah, I think he's I think he's proven to be a good asset on that team. Show us how flash. <laughs> <laughs> Sham Jones. <laughs> uh, um, my first player player has to be. Adam Morrison, I think he's done amazing uh, so far. Uh, 47 games, three goals against average and a 0.91 save percentage. Which, yeah, okay, he's, he's teams at, his team's at the bottom, but you know what? Next season, put a really good defence in front of him. I think it'd be, be absolutely fair, So was Patrick Killeen's team last year, and he yeah. was an absolute must for, for, for me for us signing last year. I really wanted to sign him. I think we've seen Adam Morrison on almost every saves of the week as well. Yeah. He, he really can pull him out of the bag. Uh, my second nomination would be Carlo Finucci, who I, I think has really hit his prime. Now he's 33 years old. Uh, just can't really stop him. 37 points in 46 games. Uh, and the third one was... Quite hard, but I'm, I'm going to have to go with Bay. Danny Gautier, why not? Uh, yeah, just 45 games, 39 points. Yeah, again, doing really well for five. So, yeah, I've done the three. I think I just say, Adam Morrison, uh, sorry, Dave, to interrupt. It's I've just okay. had a look at his stats. I mean, obviously, Dandy, as he said, 3.05 goals against average, 91.67 save percentage. On average, he oh, well, he's, he's made 106. 1,668 saves this season across 47 games. So he's averaging 35 saves a game. Wow. Compare that to Ben Bounds, who I believe is 1,266 in 43 games. Um, I think he's around about 25 saves a game. Amazing. Baffling. 
So I think it's easy to say that the GOAT will be on our voting list. I, w- I would say so. I, I would, to be fair, I would also say we've all said Adam Morrison as well. I've not. However, there's been enough no, um, mentions of him for me to back that. So well, I mean, you got, remind, remind me who yours were again, Dave. You said the crowd of... The crowd of others. But we've had the mention on social media. You two have mentioned him. We've, we've been consistent in that respect for the other two teams. Let's have Morrison on it. Yeah, happy with that, Andy? Morrison and Gauthier? Yep. Definitely, yeah. Sound. That's perfect. So, for Cardiff then, Dave, do you want to just run us through the two for each team? We'll put these all out on social media and you guys can have the last say. Okay, so for Cardiff, it is either Sam Jardine or Gleason Fournier. Be very weird, a Cardiff vote and no Joe Martin. Uh, Coventry, CJ Mott and Luke Ferrara. And Fife, as we've just mentioned, The Goat. Danny Gauthier and Adam Morrison. We will, of course, just mention Joey Martin a bit asterisked on the tweet just for contractual reasons. Um, <laughs> Should we just have a Joey Martin vote for vote either Joey Martin or Joey Martin? Yeah. It'd be the most Joey Martin Elite League vote you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, one thing while, while we're on that, obviously, we just said about Adam Morrison and while we were talking about that, we were talking about Patrick Killeen as well. Um, have any of you guys or listeners listened to the Steelers podcast this week? No. Because I hadn't actually realised it. It may have just been a case of me just not really paying attention, which is really quite plausible. Um, but Simsy actually said, he said, it's no secret that we made a pretty good offer to Patrick Killeen at the end of last season to come to Sheffield, and he ended up in Glasgow instead. Um I mean, how disappointed do you think he is now? <laughs> but um, just interested to see. Um, as I say, I, I, you, well, I, I was vocal about how much I wanted to see him sign in, in Sheffield. Um, you was like the chairman of his fan club in Sheffield, weren't you? Oh, yeah. I thought he was a quality netminder, to be fair. He is. Don't get me wrong. Would you take him next season? Possibly. Only on the basis, I, I I wouldn't keep Duba, not because Duba's not good enough. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to go as much as get net miners are okay to play older, so sort of 35, 36, 37. I'd like to see as a younger end. Maybe um, Brodeur becomes the number one next year. Yeah, and he could bring his son along as well. <laughs> 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 Couldn't resist that one. Sorry. And his brother. And his brother. Poor gents. Poor fool. Sorry. I'm not really. I know you're not. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. No fair play. What about you, Andy? Would you take Would you take Killeen? Would you not take Killeen? Obviously, I mean, it's two seasons in a row that he's ended up on a team low down in the standings. I wouldn't, no. No. Would you take any other name? Would you take Morrison or Mott? Possibly take Morrison. Dave, you're the goalie amongst us. I'd probably, if you were to pick a goalie, um, I'd go either Carr or Mott. Fair play. 
I can't decide. I'd, 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 to be fair, I'd, I'd, I'd consider Morrison. I think I'd lean more towards Mott, and I'd consider Carr as well. To be fair, I don't. But Mott has only played playing. twenty games compared to. He has, yeah, it did make me laugh because because the Blaze actually tweeted um, earlier, come and see the league's leading save percentage um, goalie. And I looked at it and I thought, well, for a start, he's actually statistically not because Adam Long actually has a save percentage of 94.74, but he's only played two games. Um, But yeah, then I thought he's only played 20 games. You compare that to the rest of the goalies in the league who've played like 45, 47, 43, 45. It's like, nah, just, just leave that one back. Just leave that one. Um, but, yeah, no, fair play. Um, anybody got anything else to add? Obviously, while we've been talking about MVPs and things like that, do we anything else we want to mention on that? Or are we happy to move on? As you say, we'll add those all to social media. Uh, we'll let you guys vote. I'll uh, try and remember tomorrow. Can't make any promises. <laughs> You'll receive a text message every half an hour. Yeah. Martin votes. Martin vote. Martin vote. So. Yeah, Martin votes. Going to get a lot of backlash for not including Martin. Um, the next thing that I've got on my agenda is just something to mention. Um, always a bit of an exciting time for those of us who follow the NHL. Uh, and obviously the NHL trade deadline has just gone, which always leads to an interesting day on the last day of the, the deadline. What did we think to the deadline, to the uh, to the trades this year, boys? Expected, unexpected. Dave's happy because the Islanders picked up somebody who can vaguely score goals. Yeah, we've actually got someone, yeah, who uh, had a great uh, start, in fairness to him, um, the night after against the uh, the aforementioned paupers of Broadway. Um, there's some good um, trades. There's some intriguing ones. Um, I'm baffled by the um, Carolina and Florida Four trade. Four players for, for Trocek. Um a lot of people are saying Islanders have overpaid with using the draft picks, but the prospect picks, and they're not guaranteed to play. It fills a slot that the Islanders need now. I, I think it is. And, and it's not just rental, it's a signing for six years. I think the Islanders have, are the big winners, as daft it sounds, in terms of what they needed and they've actually got. Last year we didn't. This year we have. Um, for Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh have... Uh, I've got a cheery boys. Got a share, is, so you're excited. But also one of the nice guys of the NHL, um, Patrick Marlowe, uh, to give him a shot of winning the cup. Um, uh, Erod as well. We've got Rodriguez. Yep. Uh, Buffalo with Wayne Simmons. He seems to go around a few teams. Well, uh, hold on. No, hold on. Sorry, we can't breeze past Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons, for whom New Jersey retained 50% of his salary. 50% of his salary. He's not a patch on Kovalchuk where there's four teams currently paying him. Yeah, that's true. But him and Ovechkin lined up again. That's a, a, a dangerous potential. So there, there was there was there were no absolute humongous blockbuster trades. Now, New York Rangers got, in my own humble opinion, conned in terms of overpaying for Kreider. Yeah, that was um, But. So it is an exciting because everyone's like looking and waiting. You hear the rumours and you know the rumours that Zach Parise were coming over to Long Island. Fandrew Lad, that never materialised. You also you always hear the rumours like, oh, that would be. And you imagine him playing on your team, like, oh, who do you put him with, and, and, and so on and so forth. But a, a, a decent um, trade deadline. 
Um, I was I was disappointed because I actually read an article earlier where Joe Thornton was really disappointed to have not been traded from San Jose, and uh, he apparently wanted to go with Patrick Marleau. That's <laughs> like, can you imagine having a team with? It never happened. Salary cap would never let it happen. But can you imagine having a team with Crosby, Malkin, Marlow, and Jumbo Joe all on the same team? And Sheary. And Sheary. And Gensel. Gensel. And Russ, not Notvik. Yeah. Yeah, that'd, that'd be like a frightening um, forward lineup. Yeah, just just but, baffling. I mean, the one that surprised me was Lena. I didn't. Yeah. Thought he won the trade in terms of trolling. Um, if anybody saw it, he yeah. um, <laughs> he decided to, you know was disappointed in Toronto, getting rid of him straight away, and then decided to um, recreate the photo of a certain number 91 with his bed linen on Toronto um, regalia and put the panda head, which is his new nickname, what he got in Chicago, um, on there. I, I just saw it and just howled. It was like, yeah. The, the, the island of me was thinking, you know, there's still that bit of Long Island in him, but that was just superb trolling from Robin Lemmer. Um, oh, well, you know, in fairness, you know, Vegas will look after him. You know? I disagree that he uh, he won the he won the trolling though. Did you not see well, Johnny Goodrow? But he does it every year though. Yeah, he kind of, it, it's expected. <clears throat> and it, it, I, I get what you're saying, but no one realistically thought that Calgary, unless they were, oh, the only way they were going to get him is if they traded to your guys, but Crosby and Malkin were going to Calgary. That'd be the only way I can imagine them getting rid of Goodrow. So yeah, he but does it every year. He's he's like a regular at this. He he knows how to play the game. Leonard was just like, let's just have some fun with this, and and he did. Have you seen the um the NHL on the fly and the NHL kind of highlights programs like footage of the trades? It was yeah. like it was proper like football final score at the end of the season, like getting excited, <laughs> shouting at the monitors whenever he sees it. It's literally like one bit where Kevin Weeks just stands up and starts shouting at the monitor, going, "Oh my god, he's not training! Oh my god, it's like it's quality." I, I had to like it was Sportsnet um, interviewed about the trades with the Spitting Chicklet crew. Mm. I, that that was that was hilarious. If anybody's not seen that, YouTube it. Um, they got uh, Bissonette, Whitney, Grinnell. Um, all right. All right, yeah. They got the whole lot. Um, good good five-minute viewing. Andy, any 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 trades stand out for you in particular? Um, yeah, quite a few. Uh, first one is Andre Kasha. They got traded from Anaheim to Boston. Uh, for me, one of Anaheim's better players this season. Uh, yeah, I just don't think there's any real uh, long-term players in Anaheim anymore. I'm not going to count Ryan Miller. No. Um, but you've got um, Getzlaff still there, Silverberg. And they're the only two that I'd, I'd really, you know, sort of pick out for that team. To be fair, uh, Getzlaff's about as useful as a chocolate teapot now. So. No, he is, exactly. So you can see the massive rebuild going on uh, in Anaheim. Uh Second one is Jean Gabriel Pagot, who 40 points in 60 games. He's been absolutely stellar. Uh, had a fantastic stint until injury, and it sort of ni- sort of niggled him a bit. But um, in his first game for the Islanders against New York Rangers, you know, he, he stepped up and 
and, uh, and, and fought Chuba out after that hit to Dalcol. So that shows great leadership. Also got his first goal in his first game. So that's a massive pickup for the Islanders. Uh, big loss for the Sens as well. Luckiest uh, goalie will ever get in his career, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, Luckiest indeed, yeah. goalie will ever get in yeah. his career. But goal's a goal. It is, exactly. Uh, the other one's Patrick Marlowe, who's about 70 now, isn't he? Um, Did you know that Patrick Marlowe used the same brand of skates and he actually thought he was going to have to retire because they stopped making that brand of skate and he couldn't get any more skates made that were like that skate. And he was were actually, they graph? They were, yeah. I thought they were. <laughs> Literally, like when they when they went out of when they stopped making them, he bought like twenty pairs and literally <laughs> just stocked up on them. Well, if 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 it works for you, then why not buy more of them? Um, Mate, yeah. what fifteen hundred plus get was it seventeen hundred plus games in the NHL or however many yeah. he's put up now? I think he's actually he's the guy in the NHL. Um, he's played the most games without winning a Stanley Cup in NHL history. He has, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of this one. No, he is getting on. Uh, he's only got 20 points this season, 58 games. Uh, so definitely a, a third, fourth liner, I'd say. Yeah, uh, I think he steadied the ship on the lower lines, I think, was, yeah. the, was the, kind of the idea on that. A lot of our lower lines are inexperienced players, so just bring a bit of experience in for the fourth line or the third line. Absolutely. Uh, the biggest one for me, though, is Brady Shea, who yes. got traded from uh, New York Rangers to the Carolina Hurricanes. Again, one of the Rangers' better players. Uh, very, very solid D-man. Uh, and whatever the ship is left of the Rangers, and I think I think he's a, one that's jumped ship and has got quite lucky joining Tim like Carolina. I think he'll really enjoy it there. Uh, get really involved in, in the celebrations that I have. Just a good overall player, to be honest. Uh, one Rangers will really, really miss. Uh Trying to see if there's any more on my list. They get battered in as well, didn't they? I would absolutely. I think they were when I was looking on the, on the fly, they were projecting a second line D pairing of Brady Shea and, and Sammy Vatanen, and I thought that's that's a. If you look at their their three lines of defence right now, it's it's something like slightly Slavin and somebody else, Brady Shea and uh, Vatanen, and then their third line was something like Joel Edmondson and somebody else. It's unreal, three proper solid D lines. Oh, definitely. Uh, I forgot what his name is. Uh, uh, oh, come to me. Um, what team? Carolina. I forgot his name. Uh, one second. Hopefully it'll come to me. Uh, Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. He's another solid D-man uh, for Carolina. Yeah, that was him. So, I think he was on first with Slavin, I think. Yeah, yes, he was. They've got a great defensive team, haven't they, Carolina? Mm. So, honestly, I'd have signed Slavin in a heartbeat. I think he's quality. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, they're, they're the main ones that really stuck out to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, very, always very, very interesting to see uh, deadline day. I think, you know, as you say, we there have not been any big standout trades like there may have been in the past. Um, but still very very interesting it's always very good to watch I think all eyes were on Lundqvist as well at one point I yeah. think in the, in, on that day I was waiting to see where he went and then he went nowhere it was a bit of an anticlimax. yeah the, the, there was the rumour he was going to be heading over to Colorado can you imagine that yeah but I, think, I think this could be the beginning of the end of the King's reign on Broadway 
where he's been listed as their third goalie for the last few games until their first goalie got in a car crash. So uh, they, they basically, I, I don't know if they've tried to kind of force his move a bit because he had a no, he had a no trade clause, didn't he, in his contract? Yeah. I don't know if they've kind of tried to twist his arm into leaving and force him out a little bit. But shame, really. In fairness, I, I don't think I'll get rid of any, any of the two current Colorado goals. I think yeah. uh, you know, Grubauer is his first season as a starter, and I think he's doing fantastic. I think next yeah, season will be a lot more steady, get into the games a bit more, and uh, Pavel Francouz. Again, when he's been relied upon, has done a great job. So I don't think I'd, I'd really change any any of them until next season. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely agree. Well, uh, I mean, to be fair, boys, unless anybody's got anything else to add on trade deadline, while we're on goalies, um, we've talked about Carolina and their strength. Um, what a scenario in Carolina, um, sorry, in Toronto, should I say, um, the other day. Um, he certainly got his, uh, his 15 minutes of fame out of his world. David Ayres. Uh, steps in to be the e-bug in the game, the emergency backup goalie, um, who was actually the Zamboni driver or the ice cleaning machine driver um, for the Toronto Marlies. Uh, and then in the game, you see James Reimer get injured because his own defenseman puts a player on top of him. Oh, no, it wasn't. It's was the other way around. It, Reimer got injured in warm-up. Some Mrazic got steamrolled. And then Mrazic steam got rolled. steamrolled. Mrazic was an idiot. Mrazic should never have skated out for that puck Mar- at that point. Mrazic is crazy. But Mrazic is crazy. He does that. Yeah. That's his MO. Yeah, but his GM wants to be having a word with him about doing that again. He may have that conversation. <laughs> Significantly expect he will. Um, but um, all of a sudden, Carolina without goalies um, and the emergency backup goalie rule, which I think only memorably has come into play once in recent years, which was what Scott Foster for Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago, yeah. Um, but first e-bug to step in and get a win, I think. Scott Foster yeah. lost the game, didn't right, he? Yeah. Um, David Ayres comes in halfway through the second period, eight saves in total in the game. He conceded a couple of goals. Um, first one, I think he said he'd, tra- he'd, tra- he'd trained with the Maple Leafs a couple of times. He expected Tavares to shoot high. Uh, had a couple of bodies in front, and the, the puck came low on the ice and went went through his leg. Um, the second, he felt like he should get, but he told the team he'd settle down in the third, and uh, it certainly steadied the ship. Um, and yeah, got the W. 42 years old, had a kidney transplant from his mum, and quite possibly could never have played hockey uh, at, at such a level, and all of a sudden, just his dreams come true at 42. Bizarre. Great story, though. Great story. It's fantastic, and it's not the first time it's happened in Carolina uh, in recent years. I think in 2016, uh, a similar thing happened where uh, equipment, equipment manager Jorge Alves had to step in for a game. I'm trying to get his uh, stats from that. He played one He played one game, uh, well, eight minutes, uh, which is, isn't too bad, but it, it didn't let anything in, so... Uh, Credit to him for that, but yeah, it's second time in recent memory that it's happened to Carolina. So it's baffling, isn't it? It's, it is. I think they're, they're on about reviewing the e-bug rule, though, now, aren't they? Yeah. It's, um, it's already been announced that it's on the agenda to discuss in the GM meetings in Florida next week. So not not been looked at for ages, but as soon as Toronto lose a game against one of these e-bugs, let's start reviewing it. To be fair, though, I think I think the issue is. The, the e-bug rule in the NHL is that the home team 
has to have an emergency backup goalie available to step into either team. And um, I, did, I mean, they talked about this on Spitting Chicklets for a bit about the need to change it. And to be fair, the point was raised of, you know, this guy's got an affiliation towards Toronto. You know, he's the Zamboni driver for the Marlies. But if he's a diehard Toronto fan, if he's if his passion really runs high for the Maple Leafs, which you quite possibly could, is he then going to want to lose the game True. for Toronto? Maybe he stands in goal and just lets whatever comes at him in. Do you know, it, it could have gone either way. So I think that's kind of the issue. Even if the rule just changes to teams having to bring their own e-bug and then it can go the same way. I, I don't if know. You, if you're going to change it, I do it with the, do with the world champs. So your third goalie comes along and it happened to GB last year where Bounds went off injured. Whistle goes in against Slovakia and Tom Murdy got his first cap. But he, at that point, he then gets dressed and then as soon as he can do it, gets on the bench. Yeah. So you just have that scenario if you're going to change it. Makes a bit yeah. of sense. Yeah, it's true. It's really my, my uh, vote for the cover of, of next year's NHL. Can you imagine? Yeah, I'm down for that, mate. <laughs> Can you imagine? Have you seen the jersey that you got? I have, yeah. yeah got it got signed by... Yeah. signed by all the fam- yeah. like a load of fans saying thank you and all that kind of stuff. And, and have you also seen they're selling, they're selling T-shirts that replicate that jersey? Yeah. And he gets the royalties, but they're also donating it to a kiddie charity of his choice. Oh, wow. I mean, the T-shirts... So it's going to be available in the UK because a lot I'm, of stuff that is... I'm not it. sure. Um, if you're able to order online, it is $28. What does it look like? The the jersey he wore. But oh, in T-shirt form. In T-shirt form. So Kane's down in diagonal with his name number on the back. Fair play. Fair play. Um, anything else to add on, on David Ayres? We, we're happy to... To move on yeah there was a sorry just, just touch on it sorry um, no, no, go. Right. a little bit of speculation as to why he wore 90 if it was any specific reason uh the reason is it wasn't he was just given 90 so there was no reason behind behind the number yeah i did read that that he was like why did you put that one he's like no that was what i was given brilliant so i was like okay i don't care i'm playing the nhl you give me whatever number <laughs> you want thank you <laughs> It's quite funny to see him, though, isn't it? As like, as I say, the, the Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies, and then all of a sudden you see him in all these media things, and he's in literally yeah. like full Carolina Hurricanes gear, like hat, the jersey, literally just everything. You just think like, oh, okay, like this is this goes against his employment now. <laughs> it does, but you know what? He's living the dream, and and you know he he's gone on every single. Yeah. I saw one that someone put on Twitter his media schedule. And he was covering some serious ground. Fair play to the kid. Have you five minutes of fame and enjoy every second? There's memes of him everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everywhere you go, there's memes of him. His t-shirt. <laughs> trying to find his T-shirt. Where are they selling it? On the uh, Hurricanes website. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm on Shop NHL. It won't be on there. <laughs> Damn it. Fair play. Um, anything else to add? Are we happy to move on? What, yeah, what, come what, on. Yeah, sound right. So, let's get my agenda up. The next thing I have, Andy, you you um actually tagged us in this midway through as beginning the podcast. Uh, I think it's probably the last thing on the agenda before we go through to predictions. But there's been a bit of a bizarre occurrence or decision made in Italy. There has indeed, uh, uh, and one which. Uh... I don't quite understand um, why they've actually still let it go ahead, but 
Uh, anyway, I'll explain. Basically, a National League Swiss game between uh, HC Ambri Piotta and HC Lugano uh, is due to take place this Friday and and, sat- and Saturday. So, uh, basically, like a double header sort of thing. Uh, and they decided that because of the uh, coronavirus, they're going to, pl- to still have the game on, but play it in front of an empty arena uh, because. Obviously, it's on the Italian border, so I just I don't get why they're still letting the game go ahead. Because okay, it's one thing for the fans not to be in attendance, but what about the players themselves? Who, if they, you know, if they did contract it, then that's basically all of them players done for the season. Uh, and I'm going to be isolated for how, however long time. So I don't un- understand the logic between that. Uh, what's your guys' thoughts? I'm with you, mate. Uh, that just makes sense. If you're going to not have the fans there, you know what happens if, and this is all hypothetical, but one of the rink staff have actually contracted the coronavirus. You know, that then expose the players. It just seems stupid for me. But. I know that uh, Cunland Red Star had to move all their remaining home games to um, Sibin Novorossi because of the very same thing. Um, yeah, that's baffling. It just doesn't make sense. It just what I don't understand the logic. What, as you said, like why play it with nobody there, but then. Like, uh, just why not just cancel the game? I, I mean, you've got to think that some players in there must... But like, it wouldn't surprise me if some players decided that they were going to boycott and, and go on, essentially go on strike and not play the game. You've got to think that some players have got to put the foot down at that point. Yeah, a couple of players, when they go into the coach to go on the journey, oh, hamstring's a bit tight, coach. I don't think I can play tonight. Yeah walks onto the bus, sneezes and then gets turned away. Like <laughs> just I just don't understand it. I really don't. Um I mean kudos to them for trying to do what they can in in a bad situation, in a bad scenario, but just really just call it a day. Just say we're not gonna run this. You know, I am sure people will understand. I'm sure it'll come off a lot better than trying to run the game and force it in an empty building. Uh, weird really really strange um, any more thoughts on that we're happy to move on from that or what, what, what are we thinking gents now I can move on we're good yep sound uh, so the next thing I've got on my agenda then is of course uh, predictions to be fair and then we'll move on to Stafford stories um, Dave you writing these down again mate yep Sweet. So first we have Friday the 28th of Feb, um, Belfast Giants versus Guildford in Belfast. Belfast. I agree, Belfast. Yeah, full house for Belfast. What was it that Gress said on that? Should we read Gress out at the same time? Belfast, yeah. Yeah, sound. Uh, then we've got Glasgow, Manchester in Glasgow. So I don't think we need to actually guess what, what Greth said. <laughs> uh, 
Manchester. He says Glasgow. He does, I know. I just read oh, that. does he? <laughs> he does, yeah. And so do I, in fairness. I'm going to go Manchester around with Andy. Hey. Um, Saturday the 29th of February, leap year. 29th of Feb. Um, five games. We've got Dundee, Manchester in Dundee. What was I fixed again, mate? Uh, Dundee, Manchester in Dundee. I think Dundee. So, surprisingly, back to form. Graf says Manchester. <laughs> I I say Dundee. I think the travel day is not going to help him. I'm, I'm yeah. going to go Dundee. Yeah, I also say Dundee. Sleeping in a hotel, travel from Glasgow to Dundee. Yeah. Um, then got Sheffield Fife in Sheffield. Sheffield, I think revenge is in order from last time. I agree with you. So does Griff. So does Joe. Um, I've got a hiccup. Sorry. Uh, Belfast Guildford in Belfast. Belfast. Uh, Belfast for me and Gref. And Joe. <laughs> uh, Nottingham, Cardiff in Nottingham. Big game. Absolutely huge. Uh, Cardiff. Gref says Cardiff. I say Nottingham. I say Cardiff. Going on the principle that if we presume Cardiff, then anything else is a positive. That's a good thought. Um, then we've got Coventry, Glasgow in Coventry. Coventry, no doubt. Um, both myself and Gref say Coventry. As do I. Um, do you know what? I've got Gref in front of me now and I've just realised he's written all the fixtures down and I'm still going through the website again. <laughs> <laughs> we've then got Sunday the 1st of March we've got Not- Nottingham Coventry in Nottingham uh, Nottingham uh, Gref says Nottingham so do I and so do I I've uh, got Cardiff Dundee in Cardiff Cardiff Um, Griff says Cardiff and so do I <laughs> so do I <laughs> it's a bit of a trend going on here um, we've got Manchester Glasgow in Manchester Manchester Griff says Manchester Don't. I hope you all sit down but so do I three in three days for both Manchester and Glasgow at this <laughs> point that's a gruelling weekend uh, but yeah, can't Cardiff have that I, exactly. Well, they do in a few weeks, don't they? Or oh, no, it's, it's Wednesday games they've managed to get yeah. rather than Friday, though, isn't it? Um, I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm going to say Manchester. Uh, then the last one we've got is Guildford, Sheffield in Guildford. Guildford. Uh, yeah. Ye of little faith. Gref says Sheffield. I do on the back of it's Guildford's third game in three. Oh, is it? 
Oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah, that. Sheffield. Yeah. Sheffield. Are you changing your mind? Yeah, I didn't know about the three and three. I forgot about that. What is it they say on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Got to take your first answer. <coughs> I, 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 heard first answer. I heard someone coughing in the background. Sorry. <laughs> I said fifty-fifty. <laughs> Joe. No, I didn't say 50-50. That was Andy. No, I asked you for you. I know it's usually me that says 50-50. You were phoning um, a friend, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> isn't it asking, what, what do they have now? Is it ask the host they have as yeah. well now, don't they? When it's now it's Jeremy Clarkson. Uh, yeah, I also said Sheffield. There you go. Um, yeah. That's that, that. That is it. The next games will be next Friday, so we're, uh, we're good to wait until the next podcast for that one. Um... Only one last thing on the agenda, gents, and it is the most anticipated moment of the week as Dave and I sweat wondering what story Stafford is going to tell you today. Um, Andy, it's over to you, mate, Stafford Stories. Uh, before I go into Stafford Stories, uh, I've, I've thought about this now. I think it's a good idea to give it a mention uh, just because of I, I really covered quite a lot of Sheffield and... Uh, uh, especially with his officiating as well, but uh, basically just a bit of sad news from the weekend, uh, and that is that Harris Hussein, who is known by quite quite a lot, quite a lot of people in Sheffield and around the hockey uh, sort of community, uh, he lost he lost his battle against uh, lymphomas from complications to a bone marrow transplant uh, last July. Um, so that's how passed away. I think on on the Saturday, uh, it was only 19 years old. A very, very lovely person. Uh, you know, just really, really sad to hear, especially in, in the days, uh, well, even up until the, the final hours, just still fundraising for, um, I think it's IKMS. I've just gone. I think it's DKMS. DKMS, yeah, that's it, sorry. Um, which is a, a charity. Basically, helping people with. Uh, with blood cancer and, and things like that so just just a fantastic person um just you know our massive condolences go to the hussein and and the hardy family um i know his mum caroline uh she used to hand goodie bags out at steelers games and i think that's the reason why they played sweet caroline twice on that game i think that was the reason why um but yeah just really sad to hear and uh yeah, thoughts with his family and friends. It's sad news. Um, promising referee, but also promising cricketer. Uh, um, a few people who watched him play said that he could have had a good shout at, at the seconds at Yorkshire. Um, was how good he were. Um, I know that through the All-Stars, we, we were looking to try and help support in terms of getting um, sort of uh, people to sign up to see if they were able to be a match to help him and others um so i was aware of this and and i knew that he'd had or we believed it was obviously a successful uh transplant and it's just a shame it's not um like andy says you know he speaks to us all um our condolences to his family and friends and everyone who worked with him knew him um it's sad very sad um you know someone so young so promising to, to to be taken away um and yeah it's it's just horrible. It's it's one of the rare, rare um, forms of forms of cancer, the leukemia. In that, um, hopefully, the awareness. I know he tried 
he was hoping to hit ten thousand pound fundraising before he's nineteen, but I think they're at the currently about thirteen thousand. Nearly thirteen thousand. So yeah. in in one respect, in, in respect that's it's not good enough. In respect of it's not replacing him, at least he is leaving us some formal legacy, um, which you know, in these scenarios that's as nice as it gets and it's you know it's lovely that he's in her, in his name that they'd be able to help and benefit a charity hopefully prevent um future families going through what his family are currently going through now sadly yeah and no, i echo what you guys said really horrible news uh, obviously we pass on our, our best to his family um and our, and our condolences um Completely retract my objections playing Sweet Caroline. If that was the case, it was why it was played. Why it was played twice. Um, but yeah, I, I think it just an, an inspiration as well with the way that it was taken in his stride. It's so easy at that point of getting that kind of news to just kind of keep yourself to yourself and just kind of obviously succumb to the, the whole situation. So to take it in your stride and decide that instead you're going to raise money, you're going to raise the awareness um, and that side of things, absolute inspiration in that, in that respect. And Andy, as you say, a great legacy to leave behind. Uh, but really, really horrible to hear. And as I say, we just pass on our condolences to his family um, and all the best to them. If anyone, if everyone listening, you still want to donate to DKMS UK, you can. He's still got his birthday fundraiser uh, on Facebook, and there's two weeks left. If you just want to donate, I'm sure it'd be very, very uh, kindly appreciated by himself and, and his family. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure that, we yeah. can get we get the links and we'll, we'll yeah, share it on our social media. Yeah, we'll share it on our social media as well. Somebody remind me. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get that done tomorrow. Sound. Okay. Um. Yeah. My my story. Um. This week. I'm, I'm going back quite a few years now. Uh, it was when I was with the Academy, Steelers Academy. Uh, we just finished the first year of, of, of that course. Basically what it was uh, is it was under the Sheffield College, basically utilising the uh, classroom at I Sheffield and you know uh, doing a, a sports science course there, but also having the amazing experience being able to be on the ice uh, two hours a day. It was fantastic. I really miss doing that. Uh, which is just a fantastic thing. Uh, after the first year, we all had to go on an NCS uh, thing, which was very fun. But uh, we made it fun. Uh, just fantastic. Um, we had to stay in this uh, quite a big manor house, uh, lots of dorms, as you can imagine, different activities in in, in, the, in the late district. And uh, we are all in, all, all in the same room, uh, which, was, which was amazing. Some very good laughs in there, and uh, my friend Jack decided, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little bit of fun." Uh, he uh, finds he, he finds a deodorant spray can, and he sprays the uh, fire alarm. So that went off, uh, <laughs> and then everyone's rushing outside. But I think that made that funny. Is that there were some people uh, or, or, or some lads having a shower at the time, so they had to literally go out and just towel around them. This hair still got soap all over everything. That was so funny to watch. So was yeah. it raining outside? Could they at least was, like? Oh, that's right. Wasn't. They could at yeah, least like. It was spitting. Rinse, rinse out the uh, rinse out the the, sh- the shampoo. <laughs> <sighs> that a slight tangent reminds me of a, a trip to Edinburgh where we had the fire alarm 
in the hotel and we're outside and there's this guy in in the, like the best way to describe it a flash mac and a towel um the excuse so we had found the excuse was there excessive smoke in the smoking room that caused the fire alarm to go off okay. um but uh, yeah um yeah it was just like you look around you're like it's like six o'clock in the morning and you're like oh, let's go off. and this guy's there in a towel uh, sandals provided by the hotel um and a flash mac i was like yeah okay You've rushed outside. Brilliant. Andy, don't don't even lie though. You say you say it was brilliant experience getting two hours on the ice at a time. Don't even lie. The best thing about that was not getting on the ice at like ten, eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. And having the secret well, I say secret, but um surprise Ooh. coaching sessions from uh, Jeff Leguie. That, that that was really fun. I can imagine that, yeah. Fair play. Fair play. So yeah, that's uh, I, I like that one, Andy. I just got to admit, I like that one mainly because it didn't involve us. Um, yeah. <laughs> Another funny thing was. Uh, oh, I say now it was. Oh, there we go. Now <laughs> now just <laughs> about that. Back to me now. Just that, having Andre Payet is is your coach every day. That is such such a funny guy. His sense of humour is amazing. Um, <laughs> He, he he actually suited up for one of our sessions, uh, and uh, every time we skated up, he, he got hold of the, the shorts because at the back of the shorts is like a uh, little, little leather sort of hook thing where you can hang them up, and he just grabbed us by that on his back, and obviously he's a really strong, tough guy. So just trying to skate away from that was just really funny. You mean a tie-down hook? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Realise the hook's not so you can hang it up on. <laughs> you hang it up on a Oh no, no, no! It's, it. it's not that one. It's, it's uh, well, some of our shorts had had, had like hooks on them so you could hang them up at the back. Oh, fair play. Yeah. Fair play. Funny. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. No, I like that one a lot, Andy. I like that one. That's a that's a good one. No pressure for next week. Now you've set the benchmark. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> What's in <laughs> I'm sure we'll have some more after the uh, after we head to Cardiff, mate. Don't worry. I'm sure no you can, doubt. can be fresh. Um, <laughs> oh, that. we'll have plenty of stories after Cardiff. Messy I'm weekend. Sure. If if nothing else, just a room full of Welsh people plus two English people watching England versus Wales in Cardiff. Um, I'm sure we'll probably more English. There'll be more than just you two England fans. Yeah, but not in our group. That's going to be the key thing. Oh, not in our group. No. Um. Hey ho, hey ho! Been a messy weekend. It's gonna be yes, that's true. Sponsored by Star Promen. Not sponsored by alcohol-free Carlsberg. Oh yes. If Carlsberg needed a reason to be more of an abomination, I feel sick just thinking about that stuff. That trip to Rung said just ruined us. Don't honestly. I was I went to Home Bargains the other day and I was I was searching to see if they had any Bacardi Breezer because I, I last <laughs> last I saw Bacardi Breezer was symptoms. on sale in the UK. It was in, it was in Home Bargains. Oh dear. But they didn't have any. Maybe we need to do another Euro trip style uh, Stafford story for next week. Yeah, sounds good. Maybe, maybe that's the 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 target market you need to look at, Meta. I think we oh. just need another Euro trip. No, that's not the discussion we're having. <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist needs to get himself traded to Frölunda to, to so that there's no discussion required as to where our Euro trip is going to. <laughs> I reckon that next year. Yeah, I, I think, think I, I, I reckon um, 
Lunkers will be back in for London next year, yeah. I, I suspect him not trading at this point is indicative to him leaving at the end of the year. I think it was either he was going to waive his no-movement clause and get traded, or he wanted to retire from the NHL as a Ranger and then go back to Frölunda at the end of the season. So I suspect we'll see him in Frölunda. Yeah. But time will tell. Time will tell, gents. Yeah. Um, speaking of time, I think it's time for us to uh, to wrap this episode up. Yes. Um, is that the way I segued into that one? Um, so, yeah, gentlemen, uh, anything else to add? Are we, are we happy to end uh, this uh, lovely half past one? If hour? anybody has any feedback on our podcast this week, there are the normal ways in which you can get in touch with us. Yes, aren't they, Andy? Would you like to tell us what our social media outlets are? Um, <laughs> I wasn't really planning this. That was totally not my plan at all, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> Just while Andy's finding those, if you want to tweet us or Aww. send us a message on Facebook or comment to us. No, no, keep finding them. I'm not going to tell them. You've got to tell them. I'm just going to say, <laughs> if you want to tell us via our social media outlets that you would like us to slap Greth for choosing sleep over yes. episode 60, what a pansy. we will only be happy to oblige. It might have to wait until we next see him. But... Do one of them virtual slaps, you know, like on Facebook. No, no, that's a poke, mate. It's different. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> okay, you can uh, follow us on Facebook at My Friends Zamboni Podcast and on Twitter it is at MFZ Podcast. It is. Thank you very much for that, Andy. That was well spoken. It Thank was, you wasn't very it? Much. You know, like, the old what? days where you used to ring up and get the time sponsored by Rolex. Really, you know, proper nice softly spoken voice that was that thank you maybe, maybe we need to do that very welcome on a very on a regular basis on the podcast and <laughs> <laughs> the point where we start the rumours that Andy's going to become the new voice of Dops I reckon this one was uh, careless <laughs> I can just see it now an incident occurred on 21st at month <laughs> on the other end of ice where Flash Gordon uh, and <laughs> Jones absolutely steamroll by Valorant. <laughs> then he absolutely lost his head and he just started battering him. It could have been dangerous. She oh, got chucked out for that. A beautiful goal scored in the Montreal um, Rangers game. Sorry, I've got, the, I've got Rangers Montreal on today, and that was a gorgeous goal to score Who's, then. Who, who scored it? Thomas Tatar. Oh, sorry, then. Second goal, 2 0. Really, really nice. Really, really nice goal. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry. Um, so, yeah, gents, thank you very much. Um, Andy, thank you very much, sir. Very good staff at Stories today, mate. Very much enjoyed that. You're welcome, Joe. Thank you very much. Um, oh, yeah, been, been a really good one tonight. Thank you. Yeah, as mate. Thank you very much. Dave, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you very much, Andy. And to everyone listening, as ever, if you're managing to get this far, well done. Congratulations. Yes. But, you owe you uh, a cake. Um, good podcast, as ever. A lot of fun, a lot of laughter. Next week's will be a lot of fun. I can predict it now. Yeah, with or without Gref. True. Could you do cover of that, with or without Gref? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> An upgrade on the U2 song. Um, yes, it's, instead of being called U2, it's called Us Three. <laughs> <laughs>
And on that note, thank you to everybody listening um, to episode 60 of My Fancy Zamboni. <laughs>